Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chill and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping it strong style on the social suplex podcast network jeremy donovan here alongside the young boy josh smith we just want to thank everybody for downloading and listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, you will find us. And go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review, especially this month, because the Social Suplex Podcast Network is running a t-shirt giveaway. All you have to do is leave a rating and review. Send that rating and review to me. You can email me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. And then you will, a random winner will be picked. And you will win a wrestling t-shirt of your choice. It can be from Pro Wrestling Tees, WWE Shop, New Japan, whatever promotion you want, whatever shirt you want. We will get to you if you are the winner. And uh, Josh, man, we've had a lot of people... Uh, putting in ratings and reviews and a lot of people checking out our show yeah so I've been pretty blown away the last couple weeks because this is still a pretty new show and I mean we're pulling in fantastic numbers which uh, I mean the fact that we decided to start this just kind of on a whim (laughs) right literally it was just one night saying hey we should start a new Japan podcast and and I you know I sort of expected you know I don't know like I didn't expect anybody to listen to be honest with you I'm like oh let's just be something fun to do but the fact that you guys are tuning in and the fact that you guys are leaving reviews um, it, that is just freaking awesome just seeing that you guys actually enjoy the show I, the one thing I'm waiting for is the guys who say that you suck <laughs> because that's when you know you kind of made it is when you're pushing bu- people's buttons and they're like yo this show literally sucks you guys have bad opinions and I'm going to be like yes <laughs> We're over. We'll, we'll <laughs> Draw, see. Drawing heat. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we'll get uh, heat coming up. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, guys, thank you for uh, leaving us reviews. And if you want to win this t-shirt contest that we got going on, be sure to leave us a review. And where can they send that review? How long are we doing this contest, by the this way? This is up until January 31st, so you have until the end of the month. You can email me, jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Or if you follow me on Twitter, you can shoot me a DM at Jeremy L. Donovan. Or if you're friends with me on Facebook, you can shoot me a message. However way, whatever it's easier for you to contact me, just send me a screenshot of your rating and review, and then you'll be in the drawing for this t-shirt. Yeah, WrestleMania season's coming up. I know we're going to see a lot of you guys out there in New Orleans, and you want to be sporting your flyest gear. So you've got to leave us a review so we can drop you that shirt. We want to get you that shirt. And we want to get over. That's right. So help us get over, guys. (laughs) 
And all right, so today we are going to be uh, finally announcing the winners of the 2017 Keeping It Strong Style New Japan Year and Awards. We were overwhelmed by the number of people that voted um, in this poll. Again, we're a new show. We threw our survey out there. Do we know how many people, like, ultimately, do we have a tally how many people ultimately voted? Um, I believe it was a hundred and forty-five. We had a hundred forty-five people vote on our award show. Yeah. Wow, guys, thank you so much. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. So thank you for guys who voted in the year and awards. Really appreciate it. Well, now's the time we're finally going to uh, release the results. The suspense is over, guys. <laughs> the time has fallen upon us. Our destiny is here. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into it. Um, we're starting from the bottom, working our way up to the top. Do you want to go first? Uh, how about you go first? You go first. All right. So for the first category, we have the 2017 Keeping It Strong Style Fighting Spirit Award. This was the award to award the person or individual or event that uh, most accurately embodied the New Japan Pro Wrestling Fighting Spirit and coming so basically what we're gonna do here guys we're gonna uh give you like the top three um that that i guess got the most votes so coming in at 177 points we in third place we have yuji nagata's final g1 run coming in at second place which was kind of a shock to me a bit with 276 of the points for the votes uh Okada's IWGP title run and defense streak in 2017, which leaves us with our winner at 316 points, blowing away the competition. Shibata's return. Uh, when, when did he return? That was at Dominion? I believe, yes. Yeah, so Shibata's return at D- Dominion. And I think if you guys are anything like me, uh, I, I didn't cry exactly, but... Uh, Something got in my eye a little bit. <laughs> you had some dust in your eye. I got some dust in my eye. I got a little. Uh, I got a little uh, choked up. I, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Jeremy, talk about this moment. Man, it was a great moment. I mean, it was so devastating. You know, everything that happened with Shibata after the headbutt and just all the health issues he's had. And you know, I just never thought that he would even make an appearance and show up in a New Japan ring again. So that was just a great surprise for him to come out and take like a little mini bump there um, in the ring. Yeah, it was it was just so awesome to see the fan support that was behind him. And this is a guy who you could tell was so passionate about the sport of wrestling. It was basically his life. I mean, his gimmick is that he's the wrestler, you know. And to have that taken away from him, um, it's a it's a tragedy, especially yeah. on on a night when he was being made into a star. Yeah, I mean that match with Okada was going to skyrocket him into more main events. It and, did, yeah, and to be a featured star going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, the story with Shibata after kind of abandoning. They thought that him and Goto and Okada at the time were going to be like the new Three Musketeers, and you know they felt like he abandoned them to go to MMA and to go to other promotions at a time when business was hurting. So when he did decide to come back, I believe it was like 2010, 2011, I can't remember the exact year. The storyline was that he was this outsider. He had to fight his way and it took years for him to win management's trust to be uh, showcased as a, as just a singles guy in general. 
And then after kind of going through his runs with the Never title and fighting the New Japan dads and uh, eventually kind of overcoming that being like third string type guy to where like they were going to showcase him as a main event guy. I mean, you know, there's criticisms about New Japan not creating new stars, but they were getting ready to make him one of the top stars. Right. And you got to imagine that he would have had a great um, run in the G1. Probably, yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought that this was going to be a year where maybe he could even potentially be in the G1 finals, maybe even go to the... I mean, it was probably going to be Naito's year, but maybe go to the... Uh, it wasn't unfathomable after his showing during Sakura Genesis that he could have gone to Wrestle Kingdom this year, potentially, or gotten another shot down the road. Right, like you said, he could have been in the finals. It could have been Naito versus Shibata in the finals. It very well could have been, but we, we'll never know. But when he came back that night... Nobody was expecting it. So, and I, I'm, you know, there's a lot of themes in New Japan that people love. But for me, my favorite theme is just like when you hear that. When I hear that like guitar, like riff come in, I'm like, oh, it's the best music. Yeah, I love. It's awesome. So, yeah, when he came out and those fans just freaked out, it was definitely like one of the most inspirational and, and moving moments of the year. I think that's why it's uh, pretty evident. I mean, I, I thank God Daryl Tanahashi or Daryl Takahashi's return didn't win this uh, awards. You know, yeah, I was getting you know kind of worried at first when we put the <laughs> poll out at the very beginning. A lot of people were uh, throwing in their votes for uh, the return of Daryl Takahashi <laughs> after the attack of Bad Luck Fale. How about uh, during? Uh I don't know if it was G1 or New Year's Dash, but when um, Don Callis was like, nobody's talking about the Lazarus-like recovery of this man, Dale Takahashi. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so thank you guys. So our winner for the Fighting Spirit Award in 2017, the return of Katsuyori Shibata. Nice. Next up, we have the 2017 Newcomer of the Year. Pretty much it's the meetings in the title. This is award is going to... You know, the best guy that came into New Japan in 2017, or team team that came into New Japan 2017, coming in at third place with 235 points, the tag team of War Machine. Awesome. Coming in second place, 266 points, the villain, Marty Skrull. And then coming in first place... Your newcomer of the year with 289 points, Zack Saber Jr. Wow, that is a surprise. Yeah. Well, looking at these awards, man, this is a one of our tightest races. Yeah, this is really tight. And just to remind you guys, um, you know, first place um, they got three points, second place two points, and third place got one point. So that's how we got the points. And this was a really close race. Yeah, um, with the top three, it, it looks. Ba- looking at the, uh, you know, points here, War Machine actually got more first place vo- votes than uh, Skrull did. Yeah, uh, they got a hundred and eight uh, first place votes, whereas Skrull got a hundred and five. Yeah, and the second place uh, points are what really helped out Marty Skrull get overall. Oh, these are points, not votes. Um, so basically, he got 108, so you'd have to divide that by three. Right. Okay. But still, like, that's only, what, one more vote? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very, very close. But Zack Sabre Jr., just like he finds his way in and out of holds, he found a way to <laughs> win this award. And Zack Sabre, you know, he came in, he joined Suzuki Gun. 
Yeah. Um, had a great showing in this year's G1. He defeated uh, Tanahashi in the G1, which is a pretty big deal. Got himself an Intercontinental title match. He had a really good match with Shibata earlier in the year, too. Um, he's been the Rep Pro Heavyweight Champion this year. I mean, he's done a lot of great things outside of New Japan, too. I think he was the Evolve Champion this year. He was the uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla Champion this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's been great the whole year. I mean, people criticize Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I've been one of them because I don't, I don't consistently love his wrestling. But. Same here. I mean, I honestly at first was not a huge Zack Sabre guy. Um, he was a guy that I heard you know tons of great stuff about and tons of reviews. And then I saw him really for the first time in the Cruiserweight Classic, a full match. And honestly, I was not blown away. And um, it's really taken me a long time to come around on Sabre, but um, I've been impressed with some of the stuff he's done in New Japan, and he's starting to win me over. Yeah, so in on March 6th at the 45th anniversary, he challenged Shibata for the British Heavyweight Championship. Um, he won that title with the help of Suzuki Gun, which essentially announced to the world that he was part of the Suzuki Gun stable. And he's one of the few guys that doesn't come off as just like another goon. In that, in that uh, stable, you know what I mean? Right, he's a top guy in that group. Yeah. Um, he also pinned uh, Hiroki Goto, who was the never champion at the time in an eight-man tag match. Um, he did challenge for the title, for the open, or yeah, for the open weight title at Sakura Genesis unsuccessfully. Um, the only, one of the things that brought some of his matches down for me, like the Goto match was great, and so was the... Uh, Shibata match, but the interference that was run by Suzuki-gun brought the the match quality of both those matches down slightly. One of the things that was surprising was a lot of people thought he would end up being in the best of the Super Juniors this year, but instead of him actually being in there, he was left out. They decided to categorize him as a heavyweight. Right. Really surprising. I mean, considering his size... You would think that they would utilize him as a junior. So, yeah, and then he, he had an incredible showing during the G1. Uh, he also was in that United States Championship uh, tournament in Long Beach and had a great showing. His match with Ishii was really, really, really good, good. yeah. And uh, he his first major win during the climax was over Hiroshi Tanahashi. He, he made him tap, tap. out. Right. Um, and he, he had a record of five wins, four losses. He didn't make it to the finals, but... Um, you know, he tried to he tried to beat Tanahashi for the IC title, and he didn't win. But I I think going forward, if he stays in uh, New Japan, there's going to be great things for him. So I, even though I was a little surprised that he won this, I can't really argue against it because right. he had an incredible year. Yeah, I mean, pretty much looking at these five guys, these five nominees, I would have to say he probably did have the biggest impact out of all of them. I, I thought it was really close. I, I kind of thought Mari Scroll was going to be, you know, newcomer of the year. Yeah, well, he's, we see the, the point difference. Not that big of a point difference. I mean, Marty had a great year, too, in the junior division and just being a part of Bullet Club and being the elite. Marty really got out there this year. If, if Cody had been around more and maybe gotten over a bit more, then he probably would have been closer in these uh, awards. But... Yeah, that's that's your winner. Zack Sabre Jr. killing it this year, 2017. Yeah. All right, next, Josh, we have the uh, most improved. Yeah, so for 2017, Keeping It Strong Style, we announced the most improved awards. And coming in at third place, 
kind of surprising here with 149 points. We have Hungman, I mean, Hangman <laughs> <Yeah>. Page. <laughs> um, and then ultimately this, uh, there's no surprise here. This really came down to a two dog race, the two most improved guys. So coming in at number two with 338 of the uh, points for the second place vote, we have Evil from LIJ, which leaves us with our winner for the most improved in 2017 at 417 points, Juice Robinson. So let's talk about the Juice Man here. All right, dude. Here's a guy who was an NXT, tried everything he could to get over, and they pretty much passed him over for everybody else. And he was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Japan and, you know, try and get over there. So he left the comfort of the Performance Center, went to the New Japan Dojo, no guarantee of success. At all. Yeah. Went through the dojo, became a young lion, and then just blazed a trail. Every match this guy was in, he got better and better, and now he's completely over. He had a star-making performance in the G1 with a surprise win against Kenny Omega, Followed up with that U.S. title match he had with Kenny Omega, which was a very great match. Um, trying to think, what else? So he, the funny thing here with with Juice, we didn't have a podcast last year, but I would almost venture to say if you follow the product, he probably would have won Most Improved of the Year in 2016 as well. Yeah, coming off of his 2015, I mean, he had just started with the company, but. Uh, clearly, this company is invested in. They see the talent in him. Now he was still booked as a jobber in 2016, you know. But he, slowly but surely, you could see his progression. Right. And a lot of people were shocked at New Year's Dash this past year when uh, he scored his first major win in a 10-man tag. He beat uh, Hiroki Goto for the Never Open Weight Title. Well, no, who was the Never Open Weight Champion? Champion. Yeah which indicated that he was going to get a title shot. He received that title shot at New Beginning in Sapporo. He was defeated, but he had an incredible showing. Uh, eventually, he ended up um, beating Tetsuya Naito in a, a eight-man tag at Sakura Genesis. Um, so then he challenged him for the IC title. He got that uh, that title shot at Wrestling Toyonu- Toyonokuni. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, he lost that match. So there was kind of a reoccurring theme here where Juice Robinson was beating top guys in multiple man tag matches but getting title shots right. to kind of show that he was a serious contender but he wasn't up to the same level as some of these other guys. But in every single match, he had an incredible showing. Right. You know, all these matches were like good to great all year long. And also uh, he joined uh, Team Taguchi Japan, Japan yeah. joining Taguchi and those guys. They challenged for the open weight six man uh, tag team title several times. Um, he also was in the um, G one special. Yeah. Um, who did he wrestle? He had a really good match with somebody in there. Was Zach uh, Saber? I would think it was Saber. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then uh, talk about his G one run. Yeah. So I was mentioning earlier, um, him in the G one was just, you know, he was he had to work for knee injury, which which a legit injury that he. Uh, and got hurt, I believe, the first or second night. And he had to work that whole tournament with an injured knee. Uh, and just, you know, probably the best performance out of the G1 was, like I mentioned, that match with Kenny Omega. Yeah, that, he, beat, he beat Kenny. Yeah, that surprise victory. Like, no. Like, if you look on paper, you see Kenny Omega versus Juice Robinson, you think there's literally no chance that Juice is going to pull off a victory over Kenny. 
but he was able to reverse the one 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 wing angel into a victory, victory roll. roll. Yeah, that's one of my favorite spots too. Ever since uh, Brett did that to uh, to Bam Bam at King of the Ring, yes, I'm like oh, I love the victory. And then when he tried it on uh, Owen at WrestleMania yeah. and he got and got Owen caught. reversed it, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Juice pulled out the win there, and he had some other great matches too in in his block in the G1. He, he ended up uh, finishing up in the bottom half of the block, but like you said, he was at Destruction in Kobe. He challenged Omega for the uh, United States title. I think that's probably been his best match in his right. career. I think that's, that was like a four-and-a-half-star match. Incredible match. That's the he, Was that the match where he got hit with the one-wing angel off the like second rope? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, and then to close out the year, he formed a team. He brought in Sammy Callahan. They formed Death, Death Juice. Juice. Yeah. And uh, they were in the A block. I think so. Yeah, and they ended up finishing second in their block. They had uh, four wins, three losses, but bell to bell, they were definitely the top performers. Um, they were the MVPs of the A block for sure. Really, really good tag team, and his his promo work is great. If you watch, uh, you know, like the the backstage press conferences. Him and uh, Sammy Callahan, they were right. I didn't think I was going to like that tag team, and they got over with me. I hope Sammy comes back, but. Juice was just on fire this year. This yeah, and I mean the ladies love Juice. <laughs> <laughs> you hear those crowd reactions. LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> the ladies love them some Juice Robinson. He um like you said he's he's a guy that went from being a young lion to um you know becoming like a, a established character who the fans were getting behind last year to now like he's a believable title challenger. So you've seen his slow ascension to where like. If they need him to be someone who can uh, be in title contention in 2018, it's going to be believable because he and I, I mean, he he's been in tournaments and title shots and lost, but this last tournament he was in the tag league. Like if he had gone to the finals, it would have been they're establishing him as a guy who can who can start to pull out wins now. You know what I mean? All right. Um, I would love to see Juice get his first title. Yeah, in, me uh, too. In 2018, he's a guy. I'm like, let's put the IC title on him. Right. Let's see what he does. Yeah. So yeah, and you know what? We would be remiss if we didn't at least make mention of of how evil started to turn turn things around and was really improved this year as well. Just like um, his matches with uh, Okada. Yeah, I mean there was another G one surprise. Nobody thought that Evil was gonna beat Okada, but yeah, he was able to pull that victory out and get himself a world title shot. If if Juice wasn't in the company, Evil for sure would have been. And it's interesting if you look at the votes, like. Juice got 297 first place points and Evil got 99, but Evil got 207 second, second place. place. Yeah. That was by far the most. So most people kind of saw it the same way that Juice was evidently the most improved and then Evil was right behind him. And any other year, Evil would have definitely, with his run in, in LIJ with the six man tag titles and then his singles stuff, he would have definitely been the most improved. He just happened to be having a great year at the same time that Juice was having a stellar year. Right, and I see both of these guys having another great year in 2018. Yeah. So, moving on, up next we have the 2017 Faction of the Year. Coming in third place with 120 points, Chaos. Coming in second place, 312 club, three, oh, wow, 312 points, The Bullet Club. And then first place, the faction of the year with 417 points, L.I.J. Los Ingro Bonables de Japón. Yeah. 
Tranquilo. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if you're not um, super familiar with New Japan... You if ha- you're not down with that, <laughs> you got two words for you. <laughs> That's not where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, if you're new to the New Japan product, you're starting to follow it more weekly and keep up with all the news. You know, you hear a lot about Bullet Club here in America. You might be confused, like, how could Bullet Club not be the faction of the year? But in Japan, LIJ, they are the top faction. They have the most uh, merchandise sales. They are the top draws. I mean, you hear the reactions that Naito gets when he's in matches. Like, they they lose their mind every time Naito's out there. They love uh, Hiromu Takahashi. We mentioned Evil starting to get over. I mean, pretty much everybody in this faction gets a pretty good crowd reaction. It's pretty much over to some extent. And then their uh, 10-man tags, they probably are the most cohesive unit in New Japan. They work so well together and just really flow. Yeah, from a uh, kayfabe standpoint, I mean, you talk about the business side of things, and I mean, they are so over. But from a kayfabe standpoint, I mean, LIJ, this was their year. They dominated the six-man tag titles all year with Bushi and Evil and Sonata to the point that we almost considered putting that that six-man tag in our tag team of the year uh, contender like category um, you know Naito obviously he was the MVP of the year in Tokyo Sports and in Weekly Pro he had an incredible IC title run he won the G1 he went on to challenge for the IWGP title Bushi had an, an, a stellar year in the Best of the Super Juniors. He challenged for the uh, for the junior title, and then you know Evil had an incredible G One run. They had, I believe, they've had the most wins out of any stable when it comes to, like you said, the cohesiveness when it comes to ten man tags and four eight man tags and six, six man, man tags. tags. Yeah, like, they're just they're, no matter what combination you get, they're just. Work so well together, and then they debuted Hiromu this year, who is just a monster in the junior division. I mean, he's almost like the new—you almost want to say ace, but he's like an anti-hero. He's like the—he's <laughs> like the modern like Ricky Chaushu of the juniors, like just this rock star who, who is tearing it up in that division. And uh, the whole first half of the year, it was all Hiromu when it came to that division. Right, he took the division by storm. Yeah, and it's five guys, whereas like Chaos and Bullet Club, these are some, they're great stables, but they're overrun to, to the point where like there's guys in there that are just guys. But in LIJ, all they're, five of those guys matter. Yeah. They're all stars, and every single one of them has a, a, a very important role when it comes to the, uh, the dynamics of their group. So, and then also there's like this inter, it's weird. They have like this inter, uh, stable, like competition, competition going between them. They, I, they had a tag match this year, I believe when it was, yeah. What, what was, I can't remember when that was, was it, was it on the G1? It might've been, uh, one of the tag matches, like on the off night or whatever. It was good though. I can't remember, but yeah. And I mean, they got over stuff like Daryl Takahashi this year and, you know, Naito trying to destroy the IC title all year. And, yeah, so, I mean, these guys just, they had, who else could have won this? <laughs> right, and, I mean, they're already on a good start for 2018. Uh, Naito was in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. You had uh, Sonata and Evo winning the tag titles. Sonata's now getting a world title shot. Um, Takahashi was in the junior match at Wrestle Kingdom. They're, they're killing it. Yeah. They're killing it. And then, you know, if you look at the votes that we had, the other groups, 
Chaos, Suzuki Goon, and Taguchi Japan all got the same number of first place points, which is nine, which means only three people voted for each of those teams. So they were they were literally all pretty much out of it. Bullet Club got over based, I would say, on the popularity of the brand. Maybe not so much on uh, like their actual accomplishments this year, even though there probably is a an argument to be made. But I mean, they dominated the first place. Lij dominated the first place uh, points this year. Oh yeah, because I mean, I mean, if you watch the product, which a, a lot of people who voted, I believe they're pretty up to uh, up and up on new japan you watch that product i mean lij man they're the top faction there's no question about it yeah so hats off to lij they had a stellar year they are the 2017 keeping a strong style uh faction of the year all right up next we have the 2017 gaijin of the year award Am I announcing that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm losing track here. <laughs> okay, so the Gaijin, this is the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year Award for Keeping It Strong Style. Coming in at third place with 178 points, we have the aerial assassin, Will Osprey. And coming in, this is really surprising. I got to be honest with you guys. With some of the names that are listed here, coming in at second place... We have the Juice Man, Juice Robinson, coming in at second place with t- second place with 221 points. And then, if there was there was never any doubt in my mind when it came to this award, but uh, with 423 points, the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year Award winner is the Cleaner, Kenny Omega. Yeah, I think I made a joke when we were putting these awards together. We should name this the Kenny Omega Gaijin <laughs> of the Year Award. <laughs> I mean, all uh, five guys on here are great wrestlers. You got six, actually. Or six, yeah. Are all great wrestlers. But, I mean, when you look at the guys in talent, I mean, Kenny Omega, I mean, this is a guy that just is blowing the wrestling world right now. Um, pretty much starting you mean from. Blowing it up. Yeah, blowing it up. <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah. <laughs> Blowing, oh blowing it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Raw and uncut. Yeah. Uncensored. <laughs> His matches, pretty much since becoming a heavyweight, have just been insane. And, you know, the, the first guy in a while to break Dave Meltzer's five-star scale. He's not the only one. I, that's what I said. First time in a while. Okay. Um, you know, I just want to throw that out. <laughs> he did not do it alone. <laughs> uh, a lot of, but you're right. But yeah, the six star matches, you know, that epic trilogy with um, Okada winning the U.S. championship um, in the tournament in Long Beach, defending those titles against Yoshihashi, Trent Beretta, and Juice. I mean, yeah, we um, during the uh, for the Fighting Spirit Award, he didn't win it, but we listed his. Um, actually, is it on the Fighting Spirit? It should have been there, but I don't see it right now. That's fine. Either way, so he his runs through the G one and his runs through the uh, U S title tournament. He that three night or I'm sorry that two night run that he did in Long Beach was just incredible. The matches that he had, he had the match with, um, why do I always forget people's names? Why do I do this live <laughs> on the air? Uh, I love him. He's from Ring of Honor. Uh, uh, 
uh, Lethal Consequences. Jay, uh, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had he had that incredible match with Jay Lethal where Lethal was injured, and that was probably like four and a quarter. And then he had another incredible match with uh, who else did he wrestle in that tournament? It was Jay Lethal, Ishii, and. Oh man, we should have done our homework. Yeah, I <laughs> kind of sprung that on me. Dang it! Yeah, I don't remember who else was the third guy that he, because he fought. It was Ishii that he wrestled in the finals. In the finals, so right? Who did he beat in the G One uh, US tournament? I'm gonna look it up, guys. Keep talking, Jeremy. Talk about how much you love Kenny Omega. You're oh kidding. yeah, yeah. I'm a Kenny Omega <laughs> mark. I have me a cleaner T-shirt, and we got to meet Kenny Omega. Well, you, um, you did. Well, yeah. Me and uh, Rich did um, earlier in Elgin. November. There we go. Yeah, Michael Elgin. But yeah, we got to meet him at the Ring, Ring of Honor show in Lakeland. Super cool dude, and just you know, a great wrestler. Yeah, I mean. He had that. He had the match with uh, Omega. I'm sorry, with Okada at the beginning of the year, which like set the entire tone for one of the greatest in-ring years that there ever has been in history. Literally, like it broke the star rating scale. And after that, the the all the um, controversy about whether he was going to resign or not. Right. And he took that break, and just like the anticipation and desire for Kenny to come back was like at a fever pitch. Yeah. And um, he has the most protected finisher, I would say, in New Japan with the one-wing angel. Mm-hmm. Um, only two people have, quote-unquote, gotten out of it, um, Okada and Jericho. They, they gra- were kicked out. Yeah, though. they grabbed the rope. But nobody has ever kicked out of the one-wing, one-winged angel, most protected finish in New Japan. Probably the most protected finish in the business right now. Right now, yeah. Um, and I hope it stays that way for a while. They call him the, the best bout machine. He had this trilogy with Ishii that, like, it's, like, almost all near five-star matches, and nobody, like, really talked about it. They're unheralded. He had uh, a trilogy with Michael Elgin that, like, almost nobody talks about, and it was almost near five stars. Uh, he had incredible matches with all those title defenses. What I was trying to say earlier, and I apologize, guys, his G1 um, in the his G1 special in the U.S. Uh, t- like tournament run, where he had the match with Michael Elgin, Jay Lethal, and Ishii, they were all like between four and five stars. Not since Bret Hart at King of the Ring 1993 have I can I remember anybody having uh, a two night just run through a single elimination tournament like that. I mean, it was historic, literally, how good those matches were. And he he took this belt that when it came out, we were talking about how awful that belt looked. We were, like, making comparisons to the Universal title. And suddenly, like, when he won it, I was like, you know, that belt doesn't look so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, like, that belt is, like... As prestigious or more prestigious than the IC title, like it, like it's kind of crazy. Uh, he's like turning it into the real world's title, <laughs> right? And then his obviously his trilogy with Okada is the modern day um, Flair and Steamboat. Flair Steamboat. I mean, just just incredible. His match with uh, Tetsuya Naito during the G1 Finals. Yeah, that was another great match. His G1 run in general. I mean, even, like, his comedy match with Yano, I got a kick out of it. In a lot right, of that's another point I was going to make. I mean, yes, he's been having a lot of, like, these great intense matches, but he's also a guy that can give you a nice little comedy light heart match. You know, the match with Yano. Sometimes when he teams with the Bucks, the elite, the elite, elite is yeah. awesome. Uh, their, their YouTube channel, uh, the Being the Elite, that show is freaking hilarious. Yeah. 
Um, the business that they're doing um, just with their shirts and their merchandise sales and uh, the teased um, and we'll get more more onto this coming this coming year but like his teased dissension between him and Cody um, and then obviously going into 2017 the attack that came from Jericho and being one of the most talked about I mean this was an incredible year for him and I don't see anybody else that was a gaijin in New Japan that meant more to the company I mean, worldwide than Kenny Omega. Right. And he's a guy, I mean, he lives in Japan. He speaks and reads the language. The people see him as one of their own. So, I mean, he goes, you know, above and beyond to really put New Japan on his back and be involved in that whole culture. So, shouts out to the cleaner Kenny Omega for the 2017 Gaijin of the Year. Before we move on, something I thought was just very interesting. The bottom three guys in this... The bottom guy for Gaijin of the Year was Zack Sabre Jr., who won actually, our... No, actually, it was uh, Cody. Or, uh, actually, Elgin, actually. No, it's not. Elgin, yeah. Elgin it... Oh, you're right. I'm reading this in, in wrong order. You're right. Sorry, guys. I make mistakes on the air all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, Elgin... I actually voted Elgin very high. I might have even put him number one just for this particular category. Just, I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> Very surprising because to me Elgin fits that mold of being like the classical like the classic Doctor Death, Steve Williams, like Brody Lee, yeah, not Brody, uh, Bruiser Brody, yeah, Bruiser Brody. Sorry, <laughs> I'm thinking about, got Luke Harper on the brain, <laughs> but uh, like he he and this was a guy who had out of all the guys that were here that wasn't named Omega probably had more great matches all year long. And I don't know if maybe it had something to do with the controversy that happened around the same time that our awards came out, but Michael Elgin got the least votes. Uh, and then Cody and Zack Zach Sabre Jr. was fourth. This is a guy who won our Newcomer of the Year awards. Yeah. But when it came to the Gaijin of the Year, he was towards the bottom. And Juice Robinson got more votes than Will Ospreay or anyone else. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. kind of crazy that Juice Robinson – was voted higher as a guy. And that just goes to show you how over Juice has gotten. Even with the fans here, and yeah, it's crazy. So hats off to Kenny Omega. He is the 2017 Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year Award winner. All right, next up, we have the Feud of the Year. Coming in third place with 225 points, the feud between Kushida and Hiromo Takahashi. Coming in second place with 325 points, the feud between Tetsuya Naito and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And coming in first place with 420 points, your 2017 feud of the year, Kenny Omega against Kazusuka Okada. (laughs) Could there be anything else? I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised that other feuds got first place uh, votes. Yeah, the the other team, the other uh, you know award or like the runners up, they scored a lot of points, but it came off of second place and third place voting. Um, 
none of them had very, very, I mean, Naito and Tanahashi was like the next closest one when it came to first place votes and they only got 10 essentially. So, I mean, Omega kind of ran away with this. Right. I mean, there was uh, two people that voted Yano and <laughs> Suzuki as the feud of the year. You know, we didn't put, uh, we didn't put the Young Bucks and Rapongi Vice on here because they, they did have a great trilogy, but we didn't feel like it was at the same level as these other five, uh, you know, rivalries, but I almost bet if we'd put it on this list, they would have got more first place votes than G.O.D., Elite Squad, and War Machine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could have just put, like, Young Bucks and Rocky Romero. Yeah. Because that feud continued with the creation of Rapungi 3K. Yeah, well, I uh, guess we could have, but just because it's the Bucks, I feel like they would have got more votes than... <laughs> right. But, I mean, let's talk about... Okay, so let's talk about Omega and Okada for a minute. I mean, we've already mentioned them. Obviously, we're yeah, probably going to talk so about them again, but... So, Wrestle Kingdom 11, the title match, that main event, that's one of the greatest professional wrestling matches I've ever seen in my life. On like, the top of one of the greatest cards that we've ever seen. Yeah, like, I remember uh, me, you, and Rich, we all watched that uh, show last year. And, I mean, I was just blown away by how great that match was. Uh, I mean, I words can't describe how great of a professional wrestling match those guys had on that night. I mean, they changed history. They broke, um, you know, the star rating scale. It's it's so incredible that we're vo- – that, like, Omega and Okada got the rivalry of the year or the feud of the year. And this is a rivalry and a feud that took place literally entirely inside the squared circle. Like, there were no attacks. There were no uh, personal vendettas. There wasn't anybody, like, going to someone's house and attacking them with a baseball bat. Even their promos weren't—they really didn't attack each other in the promos. It was more just them wanting to be the better man kind of thing. Yeah. this It's so interesting because um, when—I actually— Shout out to Rich Latta, uh, one of our writers at the Social Suplex Network. He's also a writer on uh, LordsofPain.net. LordsofPain.net. He writes uh, Latta's Lariato for us. He did a um, he did an incredible write up on this called Okada versus Omega, the World Championship of of each other. Just talking about what this rivalry meant when it came to who's the better, who's the who's the man. You know what I mean? Like that. This is like from a physical standpoint. From in-ring action, it's Stab- Savage and Steamboat, or I'm sorry, uh, Flair Steamboat. But then, from like the standpoint of like who's the bigger star, this is Rock and Austin. It's all wrapped up into one. <laughs> from like that interpersonal like rivalry of like who's going to be the guy that carries New Japan as a brand to the world and to the masses, yeah. and. This is that's what this is all about is like who's going to be the guy that carries the company. Yeah, and also there are a lot of just great story elements in their matches. For for example, uh, we mentioned the one-wing angel earlier. That was a key story piece in all three matches. If Kenny can hit the one-wing angel, he'll be able to beat Okada. Um and just uh, you know, another story is just can Kenny Omega beat Okada? was another story. You know, the first match, yeah. Okada beat him. The second match, you had the 60-minute draw. And then finally, we got to the... Uh, what was that, the third match? At the, the G1. G1. At the B-Block Finals. Yes. And, and, and that was like... 
where the other two matches because that one, that one had a 30 minute time limit on it where the other two matches were kind of like classic not that this wasn't a classic but this one was like a sprint it was like there was no feeling out process it was like boom boom, boom. bam 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 yeah beat uh, trigger beat trigger uh rainmaker rainmaker <laughs> they didn't they didn't say stuff like this is one of the most dangerous i mean like we talk about strong style we talk about you know crazy bumps and spots and stuff but i mean they were doing insane stuff that I like uh, will shorten careers for real with all the damage that they're doing to each other's necks and backs and I mean they were killing themselves for this art and for this craft because that's how important this uh, this feud and rivalry was and again I can't overstate how significant it is that the, the this feud undoubtedly was the feud of the year and it just took place behind within the, the confines of the ring yeah, it just shows you what a great story you can tell in the ring just by wrestling. Just by wrestling. Like that's that's what it was. And I mean, this elevated New Japan. This rivalry elevated New Japan to an entirely new level just based off the notoriety that they were having as far as match quality. And other I mean, they had like close to 8 over 5 star matches in Japan this year. Who knows how many other like high level matches? I mean, this was their best in ring year they've ever had. Nothing could really touch Omega Okada when it came to in ring quality. Like nothing. These are the two best wrestlers in the world. It's basically like Sean and and Brett in ninety five ninety six. Yeah, definitely. Except except these guys are better. <laughs> yeah. As, as crazy as that sounds, like, and I, I mean that's not hyperbole. Like that's true. Yeah, I mean they're on a whole other level. So, yeah, so this feud was, from a money standpoint, wrestling standpoint, importance level, historic level, like, this hit and touched on all the important aspects that you want to see when you talk about, like, a great rivalry. I mean, I know for me, I was so stoked and, like, had so much anticipation every time I knew that these guys were going to lock up. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was blown away every single time. And, yeah, I mean, like... It, could it be anything else? Right. I mean, the way they ended the rivalry, you know, Okada has a win, Omega has a win, and they have one draw. So you know at some point in the future they're going to revisit this rivalry and we're going to get more great matches. Yeah, because Omega, as great as he is, he's never held that main strap. And Okada is in the middle of one of the longest – not one of. He's in the middle of the, the longest, longest yeah. IWGP title reign, and there's no end in sight. So, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> that's what makes New Japan so great. It's awesome. So, yeah, that's our winner for Feud of the Year. All right, Josh, give us a top three for the Strong Style Award. Did we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, um. so we named this before. So this is the Keeping It Strong Style 2017 uh, Carl Gotch Strong Style Award. And coming in at third place with 251 points for the voting, we have... Minoru Suzuki kind of surprised by that that's surprising uh, and then coming in with uh, at second place with 331 points Tomohiro Ishii which leaves us with our winner a little bit of a surprise but not maybe so much with 344 votes Katsuyori Shibata winning the strong style the Carl Gott Strong Style winner award, however we want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of wasn't surprised here. I mean, here's a guy that we're probably never going to see wrestle ever again, who his whole wrestling career was defined by the word strong style. And pretty much strong style is what ended his career. Yeah. So, I mean, 
it defined it in every aspect right. of, of the term of that word being defined. It defined him and it defined his career and it ended his career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the voting was really close really, really for really Shibata close. and Ishii. Uh, I mean, Ishii, you're Ishii, Mark. You love him. I love both these yeah. guys. Like, I really, really, really do. And, uh, I mean, yeah, Ishii had 331 points. Shibata had 344. That's a really tight margin. Yeah. Really, really tight. And I think I voted Ishii number one and Shibata number two. Um, I think what it really comes down to when you're talking about these two guys in this particular year, are you going to vote Shibata based off of the short amount of time that we had to basically vote him this year? Because, I mean, he was only in there for four months, essentially. And... You know, the impact that he had was the four months that of impact that he had. Does that outweigh the entire year of work that Ishii did? You know, uh, I would say Shibata probably had more impact when it comes to those four months. More importance, obviously. I'm not going to, like, downplay the importance of what he did in those four months. I mean, he definitely did. But then when you look at Ishii's body of work over that, over the whole 12 months, how does it weigh out for you? And evidently, for it was really tight, but for the majority... It was Shibata. It's Shibata, yeah. Yeah, we talked about him earlier with the Fighting Spirit Award. And, I mean, if you want to watch a hard-hitting match, you go on New Japan World and just type in Shibata and watch any match. I mean, you'll see what Strong Style is all about by watching Shibata. So, I mean, let's talk about some of the stuff that Shibata did accomplish this year. Because it probably will be the last year we see of him. And, I mean... So, starting off with January 4th in the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom 11, he wrestled uh, Hiroki Goto, who is, and this is a shoot, it's his best friend in real life. They were, they went to high school together, former tag team partners, and they battled for the Never Open Weight uh, Championship, which essentially is the Strong Style World Championship. (laughs) Right. And talk about that match, Jeremy. I mean, that was uh, a great match. Very hard-hitting. To me, I think kind of the story in that match was, is Goto tough enough to kind of hang in there with a guy like Shibata? And in that match, I mean, Shibata pretty much helped make Goto in that match and just um, helped show that Goto could hang with guys like Shibata and Ishii and Minoru Suzuki. And um, it just really helped elevate Goto to a next level and also just showed how great Shibata was and just how tough of a wrestler he is. I remember watching that uh, that match live and we had a, a group chat go in on the Wrestling Squared Circle uh, Facebook group. You guys can find us and join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. We have live chats and uh, open threads during all the major pay-per-views and major shows, that sort of thing. But I remember uh, Patrick Morgan. Shout out to Patrick Morgan. (laughs) He's one of our uh, top contributors on the page and, and on the group. And I remember he was watching it with us and he woke up early that morning and he said he'd never watched New Japan. And when he saw that match, he was like, I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> right. He's like, I didn't know wrestling could be like this. And I was like, bro, you just got baptized by a headbutt, brother. Because <laughs> that match was violent. Yeah. Really, really violent. And uh, Goto obviously beat Shibata, which then led us into the program the next night where Shibata and um, Will Ospreay, who Ospreay at the time was the Rev Pro champion, I believe. And so, no, 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 I'm sorry. 
I think Shibata was still the Rev Pro champion, and Osprey wanted was the his challenge. Yeah, he was the challenger. He wanted to challenge him for it. So Shibata had an incredible uh, year in twenty. 17, 17 where he was also the Rev Pro champion. So he was all he was like wrestling in Ring of Honor. He was also wrestling in Rev Pro. Um yeah, so I mean he had an awesome year and so he had title shot against uh, our title defense against Osprey. He ended up going into the 2017 New Japan Cup and he beat Bad Luck Fale in the finals uh in a surprisingly really good match. His match with Ishii that year during the New Japan Cup was awesome. Um, so then he got a chance to challenge for any title he wanted, and he ended up challenging Okada, and then that led us to that incredible match that they had at Sakura Genesis, which was a five-star affair. Which was his ended up being his final match. Yeah, he he threw a a, a shoot headbutt, which resulted in him having a subdural hematoma, which required emergency surgery. Um, it's it's very similar to what killed Tim Haig a couple months later. Who is a former MMA fighter who was in a boxing match? So I mean, this was a very, very, very serious, serious injury. I mean, Shibata could have died. Yeah, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that he um, he was uh, dehydrated going into the match, and other things of that nature. And so they're saying right now that he's probably never going to wrestle again. Um, there have been reports. I don't know if it's if it's going to happen or not, but that New Japan was looking to sign him full time as a coach. So hopefully they're going to take care of him. Um, I do know that he has a blog. I don't read it because it's in Japanese and it's hard to find translations. But he is he does blog online. <laughs> I think you have to pay to to, to read it. But um, for everything that he contributed to wrestling this year, I mean, I don't – I can't argue with this choice to make him the strong style winner of the year because, I mean – Everything he did in his career and everything that he represented is the epitome and definition of strong style. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I hope he gets better. I wish we would see him again in the ring at some point. We probably won't. But it's kind of somber. It's bittersweet. Yeah, definitely bittersweet. And I'm kind of glad that he is uh, going home with two uh, keeping a strong style awards this year. I really thought Ishii was going to take this. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, it was... Literally, just a few votes could have easily swung this either way. Yeah. But yeah, ended up with Shibata. So there he is, the Carl Gotch Strong Style Award winner, Shibata, Katsuyori Shibata. All right, next up, we have the Tag Team of the Year. Coming in third place with 208 points, the Gorillas of Destiny. Coming in second place, 285 points, War Machine. And coming in first place with 341 points, your winners for 2017 Tag Team of the Year, the Young Bucks. Now, Josh, I know you were not happy about <laughs> the results of the Tag Team of the Year. Oh, man. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's just that, okay, so here's the thing. And we decided to come up with this idea, and I know there are other podcasts out there. They have their own award shows. I'm sure most, like, podcasts have their own awards or whatever, and they, they set it up different ways, whatever. But we kind of figured when we were doing this, we're like, you know what? It'd be really cool if we gave a voice to everybody who's a fan, basically, and see what the general populace feels and thinks about this and kind of leave it up to them. And so we decided... We're going to come up with the nominees and leave it in the hands of the judges, I guess. Of the voters, yeah. Of the voters. But, you know, it's kind of like how in MMA they always say, don't leave it up to the judges. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just playing. But um, 
this was one where I don't think that this team got by on their actual like year that they had, but more so on the notoriety that they have just because they're they are the young bucks. Um, I do think War Machine is getting jobbed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this is it's cool because we're getting to see what you guys think as the fan base. So And here's something interesting, you know, we just have an overall tag of the year award. We decided to combine the juniors and heavyweights. So if we had just did a heavyweight tag team and you removed the young bucks, War Machine would have won for heavyweight tag team of the year. But we combined the juniors and the heavies, so the young bucks pull it out there. Like you mentioned, um, Mostly due to their popularity, not saying that they have they haven't had great matches this year in New Japan. They did, but they were more in Ring of Honor this year and were having great matches there and wearing ROH tag titles or ROH six man tag team titles. Um, I mean, if I'm being honest, I can only really think of four matches that they had in New Japan off the top of my head this year. Three of them were against Rapongi Vice. Vice. The other one was when they lost the junior titles to Funky Future. All of those matches were fantastic. That being said, they didn't have a six-man run this year. They weren't showing up on road shows. So Yeah, they were on the Brock Lesnar schedule this year. Yeah, uh, they, they were on the Brock uh, Lesnar Nick, schedule. Nick Jackson likes to joke about um, they only show up for the big shows now, in which it's, it's true. It's true, yeah. But not taking anything away from them the the all three matches that they had against uh Rapongi Vice were awesome the match they had at Dominion was awesome the match they had at Wrestle Kingdom was awesome the match at the G1 special i thought that i you know it's so hard to judge their matches sometimes cuz they do so much stuff right. but i feel like that one was maybe the best maybe not i don't know i can't remember and then yeah then they lost the title to Funky Future which was to Gucci and Ricochet they to me, they just – they were so on fire. I mean, they probably had a better in-ring year with those four matches than almost any other tag team in terms of match quality. But in terms of impact and influence and having like – I mean, in 2016, if you told me they were the winners, you're not going to get an argument from me. They're the, the – overall, that's the best tag team. But in 2017, I just didn't think they did enough. But – Evidently, probably, I think maybe a lot of people probably base this off what they're doing in PWG and in Ring of Honor and on the Indies and overseas. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they do so much. Plus, we talked about same thing with like Omega. They're they're doing uh, being the elite. elite. Their shirt sales and their online getting presence. the shirts and hot topic. Yes, I mean, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. We love, I love the Young Bucks. Josh loves the Young Bucks. They're a great wrestling tag team. They're all right. <laughs> but if <laughs> no, you, I love them. If you look at um, the tag team division this year, well, specifically the heavyweight tag division, War Machine came in there and helped that division um, thrive immensely. Right, immensely. They were one. We talked about this all time in our past shows that War Machine was, you know, pretty much one of the backbone of the heavyweight tag division, and you know, throughout all those triple threats with KES. And um, Gorillas of Destiny, and then even in the World Tag League, they were just a really solid team that um, helped that tag division, you know, have some great matches this year. Yeah, so I mean, War Machine came into this year, uh, or I should say the latter end of last year, they were in the uh, World Tag League. Uh, they didn't win it, but they had such an amazing showing that they ended up signing them for the past year, and they just... 
brought something to the table that none of the other heavyweight tag teams, you know, really had to offer. Uh, we've talked about, you know, the talents of that team and um, how they've kind of diversified the action that's been desperately needed in that heavyweight tag division. Um, you know, with Raymond Rowe just being like the bruiser of the team and then Hanson being the larger guy, you'd think he was the muscle, but he's really the high fly. Right. Flipping and plopping all over the place. Yeah, I mean, what those guys can do has been incredible incredible and the the big difference i think between you know the young bucks and and war machine is that the young bucks had you know four incredible matches this past year but but war machine was there the entire year holding down the entire division they were the anchor from january all the way to december all the way through the tag league all the way through all the road to shows and i mean they were consistently great the entire year in a division that really is lackluster right and it's going to be sad to see those guys leave and go over to quote-unquote greener pastures (laughs) (laughs) i i am definitely worried about what's going to happen when they go to wwe if that is what ends up happening i'm sure that is what's happening but you know that's the big that's the thing this is the one vote on our awards here where i think it's very diversive because i think um many people voted for the young bucks based solely on their popularity, maybe even the things they've done outside of New Japan, like PWG and Ring of Honor and abroad. Because the truth of the matter is, they only had four matches the entire. And hey, those four matches were incredible. But what, what did you say they were on? Oh, they're on the Brock Lesnar schedule. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're on the Brock Lesnar schedule <laughs> yeah. at this point. So I mean, can you award a team the tag team of the year based off that? Yes, we will. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> because you guys voted that way. Yeah, but realistically, I think that War Machine is getting robbed a little bit when it comes to this uh, to this vote. Because I think if more people were paying attention to the tag division and voting based on the actual merit, and not just popularity, War Machine blows blows uh, the Young Bucks out of the water when right. it comes to this. But um, but we're 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 a podcast of the people, <laughs> so your 2017 tag team of the year. The Young Bucks. The Young Bucks. Okay. Generation me. (laughs) So um, that leads us to our next awards, the Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year Award, coming in at third place with 232 points. We have the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay, coming in at second place. A little bit surprising here, but with 291 uh, total points for the voting, we have the ace of the junior division, Kushida, the time splitter. And then uh, coming in at first place with 368 total points overall, your winner for the junior of the year, the ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi. Yes, Takahashi. I mean, this guy came back from excursion, formerly known as Kamatachi, reinvented himself as Takahashi. And he just, you know, lit a fire on the junior tag division. He came in, he took over, he won the junior heavyweight championship, and he turned it into the Hiromu Takahashi show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was very, it's very similar to, um, you know, I know a lot of people that listen to our podcast and many wrestling fans out there that are part of the IWC 
they're not huge like Brock Lesnar fans for good reason but there's no denying that there's an atmosphere shift and like a big fight feel when he gets in the ring and those title defenses that Romu had throughout the first half of the entire year were very similar where they felt very different from everything else that was on the entire card where it elevated the junior division because suddenly you had this larger than life junior champion that none of the other guys in the division who are all mainstays and longtime you know vets of the division they didn't know what to do with the guy Right. They didn't know how to overcome him. Yeah, and every match, each one of them, they had a different attempt, a different game plan to try and defeat Takahashi, but no matter what they could come up with. Some guys tried to out-crazy him. Some guys tried to jump him. Some guys tried to tire him out, take him the long distance, and they just couldn't they couldn't overcome him essentially. Right. That was like the, the running storyline. And then what he did to Kushida in their rematch um, where he just destroyed Knocked him. Knocked him out with the... Uh, the outside, the sunset flip bomb to the outside. Yeah, I mean, this guy was incredible. I mean, coming in with his cryptic videos starting at the beginning of the year with the, the countdown, like the ticking time bomb. So there was just so much anticipation for him, for whoever this new character was. And then, you know, the fact that he was coming back from excursion, um, you know, later on in the year at the... Uh, at the tag league, um, they formally Naito gave him an invitation to join Lij, which he accepted, and then um, that led into the finals where he ended up, uh, or maybe it was the Road Two shows, I don't remember, but he ended up beating Kushida in a tag team match, which led to their title match at their Wrestle title Kingdom match at Eleven. Kingdom, yeah, and that match was that. That's another thing with Takahashi. All his matches in the first half of the year were all incredible. I mean, all over four stars. I mean, consistently great. That first match they had was like four and a half. Uh, which was the the start of one of the best junior rivalries in a while. Not just that, but like that top of the card, those top four matches, that was like right in the mix there with, you know, some of the best matches of the year on one of the best cards of the year. Yeah. And, you know, not only did um, Takahashi get over with wrestling, he got over Daryl Takahashi and yeah. Daryl Jr. He got <laughs> and Carol. He got a stuffed uh, cat over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you watch his promo work too, this guy, he's definitely crazy and sometimes, you know, you don't know everything he's talking about, but he's so captivating and like yeah. he, he gets his character where a lot of other guys in New Japan might not get their gimmicks. This is someone who has no doubt about what he is and who he's supposed to be. I remember the first time I saw Takahashi, I was like, man, there's something off with this guy. <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had incredible he had an incredible title defense in February against Dragon Lee, kind of reigniting their their amazing rivalry. Um, then he defended at the 45th anniversary against uh, Taguchi. He made his uh, third defense at Genesis against um, uh, Kushida. That was the match where he blitzed him in a minute 56 seconds, which just destroyed Kushida as a character made him have to rebuild and come back this was a foil of chaos that um you know Kushida's never had to really deal with since he's been the ace of the division an entirely different kind of challenge and then um that led into May when he ended up uh Oh, no, I'm sorry. In April, he defeated Ricochet, which was also an incredible match. I mean, those guys are all top guys in the division. Right. I mean... He was just running through them. Quality match after quality match. Uh, Takahashi, you know, just showing why he is one of the best juniors in the world. And then his run through the uh, best of the super juniors. He ended up finishing an A block with eight points. Will Ospreay ended up winning that block. But, I mean, he was extremely dominant in that... In that uh, 
you know, in that tournament and put out great match after great match night after night, even though he lost. Those were like, that's where there was first chinks in his armor. And then in June at Dominion, when he finally was upended by uh, Kushida, which kind of came full circle for their story. So, I mean, no one else in the in um, the junior division this year, even though some of them like Skrull and Osprey and Kushida, they all had incredible. I actually was surprised Kushida scored as high as he did this year. Um, in the voting, but he he still came in second yeah, I place. I mean, Kushida's a guy that always has solid matches, but for some reason always just kind of gets forgotten sometimes. And even he's mentioned that in his promos. He's like, you know, I have all these great matches, but is anybody talking about Kushida? He's like, I've been all around the world. I've been, you know, Ring of Honor TV champ. I'm wrestling in the UK, but nobody's talking about Kushida. Even his uh, even his junior tag uh, run with Bushi um, during the uh, Best of the Super Juniors tag tournament was awesome. Like yeah. the matches that they had with Dragon Lee and Teton and the matches they had with Pongi 3K. So, I mean, this guy's literally been on fire, and it looks like they're poised now to turn it up once again. They put him on the back burner, kept him strong, kept him silent, and now... Yeah. He's coming to the forefront again. So, yeah, I, mean, I expect him to have another very strong uh, beginning of the year, much like he did in 2017. If I could get one guy in New Japan in the junior division to, uh, you know, come out, it would be Takahashi. If he could have a match with someone from, like, WWE or the Indies, like, I would just, I would kill to have a match between him and Pete Dunne. Those two guys, just they have that aura about them, that realism, like this would be the most yeah. insane fight. That would be, talk about big fight feel, you would definitely get that from that fantasy matchup. Yeah, so I mean, uh, so our winner for the Jushin Thunder Liger Super Junior Award winner 2017, Keeping a Strong Style Award winner, whatever we want to call it, <laughs> uh, it is Hiromu Takahashi. All right, guys, we're getting down to the final three awards. The Triple Crown. Yes. And up next, we have the Antonio Inoki Wrestler of the Year. The big one. The big one, yes, for the, for the wrestlers. For all the marbles. <laughs> um, so, for third place, with 222 points, we have Tetsuya Naito. In second place, with 343 points, the cleaner, Kenny Omega. And in First place with 393 points. Your winner for the Antonio Inoki Wrestler of the Year, Kazuchika Okada, the current reigning and defending IWGP Heavyweight Champion. The longest reigning IWGP Champion, cumulatively and in a single title reign. Yeah. This is insane, man. (laughs) And I mean, I know a lot of... um, of our close friends might be upset that Omega did not get the uh, the win here, but you gotta look at it. Okada, like we said, he's in one of the greatest, probably the greatest IWGP title reign of all time. He's had solid defense back to back to back to back. He's just had great matches. I mean, start off the year, Wrestle Kingdom 11, with the epic uh, bout with um, Kenny Omega, and you know we talked about that trilogy early, earlier, you know, those three matches, those are great, you know, everybody wants to, you know, build up Kenny, and I'm a Kenny Mark, but there's another guy in the ring, and it was Okada, who elevated those matches, 
Um, also, he had uh, title of defenses against uh, Marifuji and Suzuki and Evil. Yeah, I mean, if if you run through his title defenses, even though it was back in October, but coming out of because he won the title shortly before the G one and he lost to Marifuji, so coming out of the uh, the G one last year and he defended first against Marifuji, he had a four and a three quarter star match, and then he came into the Tokyo Dome and he had that epic classic with Kenny Omega and they broke the star rating scale they had six you know six star match um you know kind of continuing on to that he went on to the new beginning and he wrestled Minoru Suzuki they had what four and a half four and three quarters something I think it was four and a half I think yeah I think it was four and a half just like incredible you know another incredible match that he had with Suzuki and then he defended the title again at Sakura Genesis against Katsuyori Shibata had a five star match with Shibata um, his fifth defense took place at Dantaku. He wrestled. He took Bad Luck Fale to a four-star match. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. Bad Luck you Fale. can get a four-star match out of uh, Bad Luck Fale. Yeah. At that point, we were, and he also had that uh, incredible. It was non-title, but he had that incredible match with uh, Ibushi at the uh, 45th anniversary um, when he was Tiger Mask W, and that was another like four and a half star, you know, affair right there. And then go at that point, we were already saying like, has any wrestler had this strong of a first half of the year or title reign. We were talking about it back then. It wasn't even June yet. It, right. We were like barely halfway into the year. Um, then he went into Dominion and he named Omega as his title challenger and he wrestled, you know, Omega in that freaking one hour draw. draw. I mean, and they broke the star rating system again. again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, and then what? The G1, he had the G1 special match with Cody. Yes, brought Cody to. I think that match was like four and a quarter, I believe. Um, Incredible. And then he goes into the G1. Right, and he finished with a record of six wins, one draw, two losses. His only, uh, who were his two losses were to Kenny Omega and Evil. And Evil. The match with Evil was almost five stars. The match with uh, Kenny with Kenny Omega was, broke the star rating system again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again. <laughs> um, and then he ended up aven- avenging his one loss to. Uh, Evil, um, successfully defending the title against Evil, setting him up to go against the G1 Climax winner Naito for the title at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, this was an all-time great, incredible, consistent year all year long. Right. And I mean, at this rate, if Okada keeps on this run, we might have to rename this award the Kazushika Okada Wrestler of the Year Award. I, I mean, in October, he became the longest reigning champion in history, breaking the previous record of 489 days. That was uh, Shinya Hashimoto's record, and he's destroying it. To this day, he's still the champion. He also broke uh, Tanahashi's record of 1,358 combined days as champion. He's done that in... I don't even know how many title reigns, but I know like Tanahashi's had like six or seven. I think he's had like three or four. Yeah. So, I mean, he's done it in... Almost. A fraction of the, the title reigns. Right, and he's about to break uh, Tanahashi's record for consecutive defenses. Really? Wow. So, I mean, there are... I can see the arguments where people are like, well, Kenny Omega's had an all-time great in-ring gear. And I, I do remember on Reddit, there was someone who took all their matches that were rated for the year, and they averaged them out. And I think, like, Kenny Omega's averaged, like, 5.2. But Okada's averaged, like, 5.1. And if you take... You take into consideration, like, yeah, maybe he hasn't had as 
high of a match quality as Kenny Omega, he's right underneath him. Like, literally right underneath him. But if you also consider in kayfabe, who's had the better... I mean, he's the IWGP champion. He's the draw. He's at the top of the card all year long. Like, he's had a... He's had... He's accomplished more than Omega Plus. He was there the entire year, night in and night out. Whereas Omega, we didn't hear from him till like, after January. We didn't hear from him till like, April, right. essentially. Took, took the little sabbatical... And I, I think mean, that hurt him. Yeah. And I think that hurt him in the uh, in the standings here. So, I mean, like, this... But, I mean, it was still pretty close voting between Omega Very and Okada. Close. I mean, uh, you know, a few more uh, first place votes and we could have been talking... They were 50 points away. Yeah. I mean, that's... If more people had turned out, hey, listeners out there next year, if you want your guy to go over... Be sure to vote in these awards. We're going to be doing it again, God willing. Yeah. <laughs> if we're still here, <laughs> I think we will be um, with the way that the numbers are going, which has been awesome. But, I mean, it, it can't be understated that any other year with the year that Omega had, uh, he'd definitely be wrestler of the year. But in the ring, on the mic, you know, accomplishment-wise, I mean, it's kind of hard to top Okada's title reign, especially since the running story has been how many hellacious wars can this guy go through? And he's been through war after war after war after war. And surviving and winning those wars. Yeah, he's he's overcoming everybody in the entire company. I mean, this is legendary what this guy's doing. And sure, there are people out there that could be like, hey, you know, they, they decide who gets who wins, and they decide, you know, they book it that way. But... They only do that if you can back it up and people want are, are willing to pay to see you do it. And evidently, they keep coming because they're making money. <laughs> right. This is He's their guy. He's the ace. Right. And why mess up the business plan? If you're drawing big money with Okada on top as a champ, why, why mess with that formula? Why reinvent the wheel? If it's working, then you stick with it until you notice that it's not working anymore. Yeah. So, I mean... Hats off to uh, our winner, um, Kazuchika Okada. He is the Antonio Inoki Wrestler of the Year Award winner. All right, Josh. Up next, we have the 2017 Show of the Year. Yeah, this was a this was a really really big field. We had a lot of different shows that we nominated, um, but the three that stuck out the most that ended up getting the most votes coming in at third place was the night 17 of the G1 Climax, which came in with 109 total votes. But really, what it came down to was two all time great shows. It was a two dog race. And coming in at second place with 271 of the total uh, points overall was Dominion, which leaves us with our winner, the biggest show of the year, the WrestleMania of New Japan. It was Wrestle Kingdom 11 coming in at first place with 381 total points, the show of the year. Yes, Wrestle Kingdom 11, probably one of the best wrestling cards that you will ever watch it's definitely one of the best wrestling cards that i've ever watched i mean you talk about all those solid matches um at the end of the card you had you know the iwgp title match of omega and okada that broke the rating scale um you had uh naito beating Tanahashi in the dome. That's a big deal for the IC title. Yeah. 
You, that match was incredible. You had the war that we talked about earlier with Goto and Shibata. We, we talked about Takahashi beating Kushida. Um, you know, you had, you know, Juice Robinson had his first um, don't like, like major dome match. Cody match. had his first major match. Um, he had an ROH title match of, uh, you know, the ongoing rivalry of Adam Cole, baby, and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, you know, you had a, a tag match with Chaos and Gorillas of Destiny and Great Bash Heel. And so many obscenities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Rapungi Vice against the Young Bucks. I mean, heck, even Tiger Mask W versus Tiger the Dark was a you know fun match. You had Michael Elgin winning the Rambo. And our dog, Cheeseburger, making it to the finals. Right. <laughs> um, L.I.J. showing their dominance, winning the Never Six Man um, uh, titles. Rapongi Vice uh, beating the Young Bucks for the titles in the Dome. That was an incredible match as well. Trent Beretta showing everybody that he's willing to die for this sport. <laughs> right. Um, and then, obviously, Okada Omega at the very, very top of it. I mean, what really made the... I mean... I watched the show live. I stayed up that night. I don't think I'll ever do it again. But I remember just being captivated at how well they were able to book a, a show where, you know, the first seven matches, there wasn't too much that was special, but everything was just very good. The only match that really stuck out as being, like, top tier was, like, maybe the uh, the junior tag match. That was very, very good. But everything else was pretty pedestrian, but it was different the whole way through. So you had, you know, a juniors match, and then you had a, you know, the cluster that is the gauntlet, never six man. And then you had Cody coming in and just, you know, him and Juice putting on a classic wrestling match. Adam Cole and Kyle Riley, you know, continuing their their feud. Everything was different. And then when you got to, and then the, that three-way tag team match, which was just hard-hitting, tons of lariats, everybody cussing each other out. It was kind of wild. But then once you got to the top four matches, that's what took this uh, pay-per-view to the next level because everything was like match of the year quality. Like yeah. <laughs> literally, like everything was like match of the year contender yeah, quality. Yeah, if you put each of these matches in a separate year, they easily could win match of the year. Yeah, so it, it's really hard. I know Dominion had actually a very similar card, and if it didn't have, I think you might even have an argument saying that that could have potentially been a better top to bottom card. But I think the reason that Wrestle Kingdom gets the 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 vote is it's the bigger venue, it's the more watched card, it's more notorious, it's more you know, right? And more, I mean, more eyes are on that it. That was the start of the Omega Okada trilogy that's the match right. that started it all so even if you like you know the dominion uh broadway or the g1 uh b block final match better the wrestle kingdom 11 match is a match that started it all i guess that's incredible i didn't even think of that that our top three cards of the year were all headlined by okada omega that just shows you again how incredible this year was for this uh this rivalry and um yeah, I mean, this was something that really drove up the interest in New Japan. It brought in 10,000 new subscribers to their service. I mean, it was top to bottom. I mean, it converted people that had never seen New Japan. It turned their eyes on the product. It was just as influential maybe as Wrestle Kingdom 9 was when yeah. it comes to bringing in, you know, domestic, like non-domestic fans from the U.S. and from abroad, essentially. Yeah, definitely. So. Show of the year, man. Wrestle Kingdom 11. All right, now our final award of the evening, the 2017 Match of the Year. Coming in third place with 161 points, 
Okada versus Shibata from Sakura Genesis. Whew, what a match. Coming in second place with 217 points. Kenny Omega versus Okada from Dominion. Wow. And coming in first place with 276 points. Your winner for 2017 match of the year, Omega vs. Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Wow. <laughs> Josh, six points the difference between Omega Okada 1 and Omega Okada 2. You know what's interesting when you look at the point system too? Uh, Omega Okada at Dominion only got one more first place vote than Omega Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11. What set this match apart and probably what was more diversive was because they actually got the same amount third place votes. It's the fact that Omega Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11 got a few more second place votes, which really put it over the top. Right. That's the only difference. They were literally like neck Neck and and neck. And that's the reason why we did the point system, guys, to kind of you know, it adds intrigue to the voting here. Yeah, and you know what? Shout out to another just special mention because it also broke the the scale this year was Omega Naito from G1. Um, that had 149 points and was our fourth fourth place. And it was right there, right underneath Okada Shibata. So, I mean, this was... Excuse me. We've said this before. This was the greatest in-ring year that New Japan has ever had. I mean, literally, like, pushing the boundaries of in-ring competition. And these were all over five-star matches. I mean, just incredible, incredible what they accomplished between the ropes and in the ring this year. Um, You know, let's talk about Omega Okada. I know we've talked about it a lot, but of course we have because this was what defined New Japan in 2017. Um, What were your thoughts like just let's talk about this match. All right. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier, you know, this match is one of the greatest professional wrestling matches I ever watched. Um, just the whole story going into there. You have Kenny Omega, who wants to be the face of the uh, domestic expansion of New Japan. You have Okada. He's the the ace. He wants to be the face of the stay the face of the promotion, and you have pretty much have these two like. Uh, alpha males butting heads it's like an ultimate um, confrontation and then you know one thing I love too was I mentioned earlier about Kenny's one wing angel the most protected move in the business Um, the whole story of that match was Kenny trying to hit that one wing angel and he just couldn't get it yeah, so I mean, and it's funny because for a while the Rainmaker was right there as being like the most protected, and it still is very protected, but people do kick out of it now, but only right. at the top, top, top and level. There's usually what three or four sometimes Rainmakers in a match uh, during a big, big match. Yeah. But if you're still, if you're like an upper guy and you're and you get hit with that, you're going to sleep. You know what I mean? But no one has kicked out of the one wing angel. I mean, it's like the Razor's Edge or it's like Jake Roberts DDT. It's like you get hit with it. That's Stone it. Stone Cold you. Stunner. Not many people kicked out of that. Right. Um, when I watched this match, I just remember thinking there's. I was so excited for it. I had been predicting that it would be the greatest match of all time, but that was hyperbole. Like I didn't actually expect for it to deliver on that level because how can how can something live up to that much hype? You know what I mean? Like, right. and then when Tanahashi and Naito went out there and had an a 
barn burner after Goto and Shibata had had a barn burner and after Kushida and Takahashi had had a barn burner. I was like, these guys are like, how do they follow that? Yeah. (laughs) And they went out there and they started wrestling and just having just a classic, classic like wrestling match. And I know a lot of people complain about how long the match is and they thought that, uh, you know, it, it was too slow. But for me, I was so engaged in it. It, it like, Dude, passed. that match does not feel like, what, it was like 45, 47 minutes? Yeah, it's like a 46, 47 it, minute match. It did not seem that long to me. Like, it was over and I was like, that match was over 40 minutes? I thought it was like 20 minutes. Yeah, and then, you know, it's been a while. I've seen it like two or three times since it, since the first time I saw it. And, uh... It's hard for me to remember everything, but some of the stuff that really stuck out to me was um, how they teased the table spot all throughout the match. And then how many times – there were so many times that uh, Omega hit Naito with – I'm sorry, Okada with uh, with the freaking um, V-trigger. And they were just – they were so vicious. Like the next day, there was pictures that surfaced at, uh, at like New Year's Dash where like – Okada's whole like shoulder and face was just bruised up because he was like literally getting killed with those and then um, Okada just killing Kenny with drop kicks I mean hitting him with some of the most vicious drop kicks I ever seen and let's not forget about the uh, top rope dragon suplex yeah that top ro- that top rope dragon suplex was so dangerous like there is no almost no need for it right that was like above and beyond like and there was reverse hurricanranas and false finish uh, after false snap finish. Snap dragons. Uh, so there, like the, once it got kicked into gear after like the first fifteen or twenty minutes, they wrestled at a breakneck pace that just never really slowed down. And um, Omega like just seemed like he was killing Okada. Yeah. Like Omega was in control for the for a good majority. And like yeah, it's not like it was in like disproportionate. It wasn't like it was like. Uh, I wouldn't say Okada was wrestling from beneath necessarily, but he was definitely the one taking more damage in the exchanges. And it was just on a different level. I remember like um, every time that he put him up for the one winged angel, I, I was like, it's over. Like yeah, it's about to be like, over. Yeah, he's going to hit him with it. And, but and Okada he, found a way out every time. It's crazy. What happened with the table spot? Was it a back body drop into the table? Um, if I remember correctly, wasn't uh, Okada going for, or, I mean, Omega going for a dive? And he fell through it. He, I can't remember I, the table spot. I just remember being totally insane. Yeah. And then um, later on when he put the table on Okada and he did the double foot stomp on it, I had never he, – he might have done that in other matches, but I can't remember. So I just remember thinking like it was one of the most insane things I ever yeah. saw before. And that's, some, that's a spot now that he's done a couple times after that. I don't know. I can't remember before, but I know definitely he's now incorporated that double foot stomp table spot. The thing about it is nobody – tends to put together end like uh like ending sequences of matches the way that Okada, and I've said this before but Okada can string together maneuvers at the end of a match that are just like it's poetic it's literally art <laughs> yeah. like and no one else can do it with him at the level that Kenny Omega can like those two guys are so smooth and so crisp and so like exemplary in their wrestling that it's on a different it literally is on a different level altogether like they to me once I got done watching it I was like that might be the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen in my entire life yeah I mean just simply amazing I mean you want to get somebody into pro wrestling that hasn't watched in a while 
you show them Okada Omega from Wrestle Kingdom 11 and watch their minds blow. And then just the the drama of it that like if Kenny had hit the one winged angel, you knew he was gonna win, and you but he like just couldn't get him with it. Like no matter what he tried, no no matter how many times he tried to hit him with it, Okada found a way to overcome it and escape like getting actually hit with it. And then he ended up he killed him with the Rainmaker and he got the one, two, three. But what was so awesome about that was that you knew there was if there's only so long that Okada could go without Eventually, he's going to get hit with that Rainmaker. Or, I'm sorry, with that... Uh, one-winged angel. That one-winged angel. It might not have happened on that night, but you're like, man, he didn't hit him with it. What if he gets him the next time, you know? Right. Like, the match could be over. Yeah, like, that could have been the end of it. And so, they put together this incredible psycho- psychological match that had so much action and violence. And it was... It's just... It's the next level of pro wrestling. Yeah. It just simply is. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great way to wrap it up. The next level of pro wrestling. And I'm not surprised it won match of the year at all. Yeah, neither am I. So, shouts out to Omega vs. Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11, the 2017 match of the year. And that wraps up the 2017 Keeping It Strong Style Year and Awards. I'm looking forward to doing the award show again. Yeah, this was awesome, you guys. Thank you for voting on this. Thank you for uh, making your voices heard. Um, it was it was just so awesome to like have that much fan interaction. And you know, we our last podcast that we just did it uh, on Wrestle Kingdom was like one of our most listened to. So I'm. I'm expecting like a lot of people to like tune tune into this too because I mean everyone wants to kind of see like who won the awards right you know what the general consensus is so I mean this is exciting time to like be watching New Japan and to kind of be getting into the product for you know a lot I know there's a lot of casual fans out there on the message boards and stuff so this hopefully gives you an idea of what happened last year right and what to look forward to in this coming year yeah definitely all right Josh now we have um, a lot of news to cover here. Um, starting off with the uh, New Japan World numbers. So what do we got? We talked about, you know, last year, Wrestle Kingdom 11, the numbers increased from uh, 45,000 to 60,000. Yeah, we talked and, about that in the yeah, last show. Yeah, and it dropped back to about 50,000. When it was all said and done. Right. And then it jumped back up to 70,000 for the G1 Finals. Um, and then it kind of stayed there. It was at 65,000 in December. And one of those 65,000 was Rance Morris. He, <laughs> shout, uh, out. shout out to Rance. What up, Rance? Yeah, he uh, on the la- on the SMC podcast, which I was a part of. And if you guys are listening, go ahead and check out the SMC podcast and all the other great podcasts that we offer on the Social Suplex Network. But he actually uh, subscribed back in December. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so Rance was one of those 65,000s. And then on January 3rd, it jumped to 70,000 and then it was up to 82,000 a few hours before the show um, and then New Year's Dash the next day it was at 95,000 and ended um, at 97,000 on on the afternoon of January 9th it was it increased to 99,784 so by now by the time you hear this show it's probably over a hundred thousand, or at right at a hundred thousand subscribers. That's truly incredible because 
you expect people to to uh, subscribe to something like that to watch the the show as it's like coming out, but you kind of expect as the days go on for maybe those numbers to dwindle or even as the uh, pattern has been in the past that people will uh, cancel their subscriptions. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So the fact the fact is that weeks and days after the fact, people are still subscribing because of what happened on that show and how much buzz it's getting. And what happened New Year's Dash. People, yeah. people you know, who weren't paying attention and didn't know Jericho was booked for that show and that Jericho would be making an appearance. Hey, Jericho's a draw, man. He is. He <laughs> is. He's a draw. Um, you know, I remember hearing when they first came out with New Japan World that they were hoping in the first year to have over 100,000 subscribers. And it's been a few years now. And they were kind of disappointed that they weren't pulling in those kinds of numbers. You know what I mean? Right. But And so now, like, with the success of this show being a near sellout, they finally have hit that goal. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever worked in any kind of – like, I used to do sales. Well, I still do sales. But I used to set up, uh, you know, a product for individuals where they have to pay monthly. And we would talk about the reoccurring revenue that would come in monthly because when you set someone with a service that – continues to charge them month after month like a subscription you're talking about reoccurring revenue now i don't know if they're going to stay at 100k but i mean you got to figure 9.99 yen that's roughly eight and some change right american so you're talking about monthly right now 800k that's like a little shy of a thousand of a million dollars and like monthly that's huge for the company yeah that's really big because this isn't wwe so that's huge. <laughs> like that's a lot of money. Um, and I mean, we've talked about the gates and what they what they pulled in for the, you know for just Wrestle Kingdom in general. But I mean, this is like them pulling in the same money that they pulled in for Wrestle Kingdom, but every single month. Right. So yeah, this is inc- yeah this is crazy. So the real key here is we're gonna see if these thirty five thousand newcomers, if they stick through to February. Well, they have to have an incredible. Uh, New beginning shows. Right. Those new beginning shows have to be incredible, basically. Right. And we'll run down those cards in a little bit. Um, another Wrestle Kingdom number that I wanted to bring up was the attendance. So there was a paid attendance of 34,995, but the total in the building was between 43,000 and 44,000. And the building was set up for about 45,000. So pretty much a legit you know, jam-packed Tokyo Dome. They're considering it based on the way they set it up a near sellout. And I mean, like, from the reports we've read and what people have said, they said it was, like, almost no room for anybody beyond that. You know what I mean? It was the largest crowd for a New Japan show in 16 years. What, since 2002? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was the year that they had Nagata wrestle uh, Junakiyama. So it was the GHC champion versus the IWGP champion. And somehow they had the GHC champion go over their world title. <laughs> yeah. So that's and, why we call it the Dark Angels. <laughs> and uh, so last year, Wrestle Kingdom 11, the paid attendance was 26192 So. And this year it was 36 and change? 34995 I know they said they pulled in like close to like a million dollars in the gate, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, by any account, if you are a wrestling promoter, you can't label that anything but a tremendous success. Definitely. (laughs) Um, And then something we saw the next night at New Year's Dash was confrontation between Kenny Omega 
and Cody don't call him Rhodes. <laughs> How uh, many times are you going to call him that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the plans, the rumors right now is for them to have a singles match at the uh, 4-7 Supercard of Honor show in New Orleans, which we are attending. So I'm hoping uh, that is the case. Well, we don't really have it on our news list, but while we're talking about it, it's worth noting that uh, the reports came in this past weekend. Kenny Omega has signed a, another year, at least another year extension to stay with New Japan. So I know like during like seven weeks ago, we were kind of speculating, w- would he be leaving? W- what would he be doing? And the reports at the time were that he was expected to stay, but we can now confirm that Kenny Omega will be with New Japan through till 2019. Yeah, um, which I'm kind of surprised by, because I remember them saying, like, reading reports that they were going to start signing guys to multiple multiple year deals, but it seems like they keep signing Kenny to just annual based like extensions or annual based contracts. But um, let's talk about you know Omega and Cody. Yeah, so the rumors for uh, New Orleans, it's also possible it could happen at the All-In show, which um, they finally released a date for, which was uh, September 1st, right? That's what they're saying. Yeah, September 1st. Yeah, so there's still no location, but that's a possible matchup. Could be Omega and Cody for All-In. So, I mean, we, we kind of discussed it, but I mean, the, the interesting thing here is, you know, Cody earlier in the year attacked, uh, or he didn't attack Ibushi, but he, did he attack him at, after Power Struggle or he just, uh, he just confronted him backstage? I think he just confronted him backstage. Ibushi, I believe it just, he just, he just lost, lost Tanahashi. Tanahashi and uh, Cody challenged him. Yeah. So he came back there and he challenged Ibushi and there seemed to be this weird fixation where Cody really wanted to wrestle Ibushi. It was going to be for the Ring of Honor title. Obviously, Cody lost the title. So kind of leading into the uh, into Wrestle Kingdom, they had that tag team match at the Road to Tokyo Dome and Cody just hit him with an insane freaking uh, crossroads right on the stage. But some of the promo work, he started really referencing at the time how, you know, he's Brutus the Barber Beefcake to Kenny Omega's uh, Hulk Hogan. And he started alluding to the fact that Omega and Kotobushi have this long running history, which we haven't really seen New Japan reference or play into in quite a while. But all of a sudden it starts playing into this storyline. And if we're going back, talk about the dissension that we started noticing earlier last year between Cody and Kenny Omega. Right. You know, you had Cody coming in, joining the Bullet Club, and, you know, it's one of those things. You just have two alphas. They, they both want to be the leader. Um, you know, you can only have one leader. And we saw, you know, Cody would try and throw in the towel during uh, one of the matches with Omega. During the Dominion match. Yeah. And that was incredible. Incredible storytelling. You know, there's a strong Bullet Club presence in Ring of Honor, and that's what Cody's contracted to Ring of Honor. Kenny is contracted to New Japan. Japan. So a lot of times on the U.S. shows, it's Cody who's taking the charge. Right. And then you go back to Japan, Kenny's taking the charge. So you have them both on the same show. It's, you know, both guys are like, wait a minute, like, I'm the leader around here. It's interesting, too, because when Cody first came in, like, they just announced vignettes showing that he was the American Nightmare and that he was now part of the Bullet Club. But there was no, like, moment where they came into the ring and, like, 
gave him a shirt and said, hey, kid, you know, join us. You know what I mean? Right. It just kind of was a vignette. And that was kind of different from how most of the inductions to the Bullet Club have been in the past. There wasn't, like, a cohesive, like, when he first, when he made his first, like, debut last year at Wrestle Kingdom and he showed up wearing the jacket, he wasn't, like, on stage. He didn't have seconds with him. Like, we had, he was, quote, unquote, part of the Bullet Club, but we'd never seen him with the Bullet Club. So that was kind of, like, very diversive, very different from in the past, like, when it was the original Bullet Club. I mean, their gimmick was that they were, like... Uh, you know, North American heels where the whole freaking team would come out right. and interfere in people's matches. And we started seeing this this uh, division where guys were kind of doing their – had their own agendas and their own things. We really didn't even see Cody and Kenny interact until like Dominion when when Kenny – when Cody's starting to threaten to throw in the towel for Kenny because Kenny's literally getting murdered by Okada. Right. And then you had um, in Long Beach, Kenny – Threaten to throw the towel in on for Cody. Yeah. And then they, they were trading words on, like, social media where, like, I think Cody was saying things like, you know, where Kenny couldn't get it done against Okada. He was going to get it done. Right. And kind of alluding to the fact that he was the biggest star because he won the Ring of Honor World Championship. So he was, like, the only real world champion, like, on the team. So it started to, like, create division. And many people started to salivate over the idea of, like, a split or... You know this this upcoming match, and then after Long Beach, you know Okada beat Cody, and Kenny won the title. Won the title, and they all celebrated the ring together. And then it was like everything was gravy after that. Like yeah, and pretty, even on being the elite, they kind of they're both of their characters like made up, and they became friends again. Yeah, and now with Cody attacking Abushi, that's set the sparks again. Between, for their rivalry. Right. So that was the next night. Like, and there was, um, you know, one thing to think about with Ko- Kota Bushi and Kenny Omega is that when they left, when they both came to New Japan, they were kind of just separate from one another. And then um, the only time that they really had interactions was like, it's been a while. Back in 2015, Kota Bushi had that match with AJ Styles. Uh, and after the match, they were, like, basically attacking Kota Ibushi. And Kenny Omega was conflicted, like, as a character. This was even before, like, he's the cleaner and he's this big, like, star. He's still, like, kind of, like, just the junior guy of the Bullet Club at this point. Like, AJ Styles is clearly the leader. And the elite is not even a thing. And he was very, like, torn. And he, like, almost wanted to protect Kota Ibushi because that's his friend. And he's he's a top heel in the company. And Kota Ibushi is, like, one of the top baby faces. You know what I mean? Right. And so even then they, they teased that there was uh, apprehension and almost a willingness to protect his friend. Then they didn't interact at all. Now, there's been promos where Kenny has mentioned Ibushi and that their destiny is to wrestle one another. And then... Um, Last this year at the G one when when um, Kenny Omega lost in the finals to Naito, they there was a backstage footage where Kenny came out of there crying, and Kota Ibushi ran up to him and hugged his friend and consoled him, and he's not in the Bullet Club, and Kenny's supposed to be a heel. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. there's still this long standing history. We already know that these guys were tag team champions, the Golden Lovers, and all that. They kept them apart. For years now, and all of a sudden, we've come full circle, and now there's been dissension on the team. So that led us into New Year's Dash with uh, they were gonna they were gonna attack Kota Bushi after the match. 
And what, then, what did Cody had a chair? Yeah, he was going to hit, uh, hit uh, Abushi with a chair, and then Kenny ran out and stopped him. What did he say to him? I think uh, he was saying like, like I'm the leader. Yeah, of the I don't. Club. Yeah, before I don't. Like, he took a chair from him, and then eventually got in his face like, "I'm the leader of the Bullet Club," and then everybody kind of backed off. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's very interesting. Um, even this week, um, you know, Cody Rhodes like kind of talked about the flare up that happened, and basically he said, "Hey, things got happened. I apologized. It's over." But then um, Kenny Omega, he basically like talked about this like in a promo he said that he was sick of the infighting he was sick of the bullet club talking behind each other's backs and that they need to come together that they haven't been a whole group for a while so they're really teasing the idea that there is dissension within the group and even like today kenny um was on twitter and he was addressing this whole thing and he said you know they were going to attack him with a chair he's like that's the kind of thing that jericho would do or the kind of thing that suzuki would do and he was like that's not what the Bullet Club's about. When when I read that, I was like, what? Right. <laughs> like, are, have you not been part of this for, for, like, a long time, man? That's exactly what you guys used to be about. But I guess, like, they're starting to – well, I don't think the whole Bullet Club is turning face. Right. I think – and I, I mentioned this before. I think there's going to be some kind of division yeah. with the Bullet Club this year. Because you have Kenny, who's trying to make the group all about in-ring action. You have Cody, who's definitely more on the heel side and would be down for jumping people. And he'll he'll do whatever cheat. it takes to cheat to, right. to get the acclaim. And Kenny Omega wants it to be about, we want to be the best bell to bell. That's right. what he said in his tweet. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how long the group can hold with two guys, pretty much the two leaders, having two viewpoints, and who's going to side with who? Well, you know, all the best countries in the world have always, you know, had two presidents and two kings. And <laughs> <laughs> it's always a recipe for success. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong there? Right. Um, I, I would be very, I'm very excited for the prospect of seeing a Kenny Omega and Cody Roads, <laughs> yeah. Uh, match. I'm hoping since we're gonna be at Supercard of Honor, I almost hope that it is there. There's a part of me that feels like maybe it should be a New Japan match, but I don't know it for sure if Cody, uh, even with the star making performance he had against Kota Ibushi, if that is something that they're gonna really like do at in Japan. Right. I think it's it'll be a bigger match here. In America and Ring of Honor, they could do a multiple batch series though. You never know, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of speculation at this time, and then I'm also wondering, like, where does Kota Ibushi play into all this? Right. What if Kota Ibushi turned on Kenny, Kenny Omega? What if and joined the Bullet Club? <laughs> Bro, what if? What you're hearing it first here on Keeping a Strong Dude, Style? Dude, <laughs> if this happens, somebody needs to like. Someone needs to pay us. Cut Josh the check because he's been having all these great predictions. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, all right, so next thing on the agenda for New Japan is the Fantastica Mania Tour. We didn't really talk about the All In Show, did we? Uh, we announced There's not too much news about it, is there? Not really. There's just the date. No location. Pretty much all the Bullet Club guys will have, be there. Will have said that they're that they're all in. Um, they're, 
I love the all-in uh, photos that have been coming out because people have started to like turn them into parodies. And so you're seeing stuff like Great Kali is all-in, <laughs> Daryl Takahashi all-in, <laughs> Hornswoggle all-in. So yeah, there's a lot of great uh, memes in there. If you make any funny ones, you know, shoot them, shoot to, them a, to us. Yeah, tweet us at KI Strong Style on Twitter. Hey, this is a little bit off topic, but how about when? Uh, so the the match of the the free match of the month came out for Ring of Honor, and they released AJ Styles versus Brian Danielson match. Yeah, the Throwback Thursday match. Oh yeah, yeah. Throwback Thursday, and uh, I, um, Daniel Bryan or yeah, Daniel Bryan mentioned how he won with the chicken wing. And how he has the best chicken wing in the entire wrestling business. And Marty Skrull said, I hope you're all in with that statement there, Brian. And I was like, oh. So. Can we get American Dragon? Dude, if Daniel Bryan, or should I say Brian Danielson, is all in. Yeah. Dude. I'm just glad. One thing I am glad about was they, they did say for that show that they were contemplating having the world's cutest tag team which is uh candace LeRae and joey ryan. joey ryan wrestled the young bucks uh and i was like thank god that's not happening <laughs> thank god oh, yeah. i don't that doesn't really appeal to me too much at all yeah same um, here but i'm hoping this card's in chicago and i'm hoping we get a cm punk <laughs> uh, dude. there's a lot of crazy things that they could do i mean Depending on Neville, well, they could get Jericho. They can get Jericho. Depending on Neville's they can get Ray. Neville's contracts uh, status by then, maybe we can get Neville. My God, they <laughs> they could load this show up. Hey, EC3, that guy just left. I mean, who knows what right. could happen with him? I mean, there's so much that could happen right now. Crazy. So let's uh, talk. Let's talk Lucha Libre, man. Yeah. So the Fantastica Mania tour. It kicked off on January 12th in Nagoya, but there are only three shows that we're going to be able to see that are airing on New Japan World, and those shows are January 19th, January 21st, and January 22nd. Again, all three of those shows will be airing on New Japan World. They're happening in Kurgan Hall. Josh, go ahead and run down these cards for us. Sure. So for those of our listeners who aren't like very familiar with what Fantastica Mania is, throughout the year, New Japan tends to do major shows that are co-promoted and co-branded with the other major promotions that they are in partnership with. And if, you, if you're listening and you're not aware, they have partnerships with Ring of Honor, with RevPro in England. They uh, just struck an alliance with uh i believe it what 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 is it it's um mcw what the uh melbourne city wrestling melbourne city wrestling in australia and now uh and the longest running uh, promotion like uh alliance that they've had is with cmll uh which is the oldest wrestling promotion in the world if you're not aware of that um but they do the Fantastica Mania tour every year here. Uh, they do it in in Japan, and it is a cross-branding of Mexican wrestlers, Lucha Libre style meeting with the strong style of New Japan. And so they have three awesome shows that are coming up. Now, one thing um, to be, like, aware of is, you know, this is Lucha Libre style. The other thing, too, is there aren't going to – there's literally no uh, – New Japan versus New Japan strict matches. Right. There, this sh- there's not going to be any really story developments from these shows. There's usually some. Like, there's always one or two angles per show, but nothing that, like, is substantial to the uh, 
like if if you're a big New Japan fan and you miss these shows, all you're going to be doing is missing some great wrestling and some fun shows. Uh, there usually isn't too much that's blow away, especially considering that these guys killed themselves all through January uh, at the you know at the Tokyo Dome. So this is kind of like a fun way for them to take some time off. One thing I'm surprised about looking at these shows, there's less New Japan guys on them than there have been in in the past. Uh, a lot of the New Japan guys are wrestling on the tour, but for these three three nights, you're getting very few. So we'll go through the first night. So um, on February or January 19th, we are getting uh, the first card. It's Fu- uh, Fuego versus Akumura um, in the opener. We are getting an eight-man tag team match uh, in the second match of the night, which is Dragon Lee, Harai Kawato, Satoshi Kojima, and Star Jr., Taking on Lij, which is Bushi Hiromu Takahashi, Rush, who is one of the founding members of Los Ingrenables down in uh, CMLL. He is the one of the co-founders and the leader, and Tetsuya Naito. So that's that match looks awesome on paper. Yeah. Um, then going on to the third uh, match of the night, you have Atlantis, Drone, Mystico, and Volador Jr. versus Barbaro Cavernario, Disturbio. Puma and Ultimo Guerrero. Is that right? That's one, two, three, four. Yep, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's an eight man tag. And then, very surprising, this first night they have three singles uh, title matches, which they don't usually do too many. They usually do like one per, you know, one title match per show, but this night they've got three. They've got uh, Angel de Oro, who's the champion. He's the CMLL world middleweight champion defending his title against uh, Quatrero. And then in the semi-main event, you have Sanson versus Soberano Jr. for the Mexican National Welterweight Championship. And in the main event, you have Gran Guerrero versus Niebla Roja, who is the champion. That is for the CMLL World Light Heavyweight Championship. Um, so, And that's a rematch from uh, last year's CMLL Anniversary Show main event. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, see, I didn't even watch that. <laughs> see, I'm not like Dave Meltzer. I don't watch all the all the uh, what is it? CMLL show, Arena Mexico all the show, Arena Mexico shows every Friday night. But um, I can tell you that I'm actually they brought a lot of talent this year that hasn't been on the um, on the cards in the past. So there's quite a few guys that I'm actually not too familiar with. Uh, but I, I did watch the opening video the, uh, today, actually, and it looks really awesome. So, I mean, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, for the second night show, we're getting uh, an opener of Disturbio and Puma versus Drone and Star Jr. In the second match, we're getting Fuego, uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Soberano Jr. versus Akamura and Rapongi 3K, show and yo. So that's a, that should be a good one. And in the third match, Atlantis, Harai Kawato, Kushida, and Satoshi Kojima versus Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, Rush, and Tetsuya Naito. So we're kind of getting a return match of, you know, all these baby faces from New Japan and CMLL versus LIJ. Uh, we're getting Angel de Oro. Oh, so this is the f- – actually, backing up. So right. This is the first round match. What is it, Jeremy? Yeah, so this is a brothers tag team tournament in um, – so you're going to have Nihabla Roja and Angel de Oro against Ultimo Guerrero and Gran Guerrero um, and Dragon Lee and Mystico versus Sanson and Quartero. And then uh, the main event of that night, you have Volador Jr. 
versus Cavernario for the NWA historic welterweight title. Barbero Cavernario. <laughs> yes. And that's my favorite guy from CMLL. He's freaking awesome, and him and, and Volador Jr. is awesome. So last year I was really excited about the match with him and Dragon Lee. It didn't actually end up being – it was good, but it didn't end up being like blow away. So I'm hoping this year – we get to see a really good Barbero Cavernario match. Yeah, I've never seen a full match of his, so I'm interested. I love, I love You've him. been hyping him up to me, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him in action. Yeah, he's awesome. And then um, it, for the final night of the Fantastic Mania Tour, which usually is the night that they go all out and have like the best matches, um, we're getting Disturbio and Puma versus Fuego and Ryosuke Taguchi. Um, in the second match, we're getting Chaos, which is Rocky Romero, Sho, and Yo. And Akamura. So, uh, is Akamura, like, part of Chaos? Is that why he's, like, teaming with them? And he might be. I know he's a Japanese guy over in CMLL, but I don't know. Uh, even us, you know, even us marks here at Keeping a Strong Style, we don't know all the history. <laughs> uh, they're taking on Jushin Liger, Kushida, uh, Star Jr., and Tiger Mask 4. And then we... So we're getting a CMLL Brothers Tag Team Tournament Losers Bracket Match. So whichever two teams lose are going to face each other in a kind of like a redemption match. And then in the fifth match of the night, we are getting Atlantis and Harai Kawato versus Barbero, Cavernario, and Gato, which will be Kawato's last match before going on foreign excursion. He is going to be leaving after this show to go do his foreign excursion in CMLL. So that's going to be like an emotional match. Right. And him, you know, Kuato, he's 20 years old. So him leaving at 20 on excursion pretty much tells you that New Japan thinks he's going to be a big star. Well, they're teaming him up with Atlantis. And I don't know if you, if you guys know anything about Atlantis. He is one of the biggest stars Still to this day in CMLL, he's like in his late 50s and, you know, he still has his mask and he's never lost his mask. And it's it's like whoever beats beats him to win his mask in Mexico, it's considered on the same level as like if someone had defeated Undertaker for a streak. It's like the same level of prestige. They can sell out Arena Mexico or any major arena just by booking a mask match with Atlantis. So they have a lot of faith in in him in that they're going to have him team with that guy. And uh, one thing with Kawato, I mean, we mentioned, you know, he's been the ace of the juniors and we saw, well, ace of the young boys. And we saw with, you know, the excursions of Takahashi and Sho and Yo, Sho and, Yo and Naito that went to C- C- CMLL. Um, that has been a great place for them. Oh, you're just talking about CMLL guys. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> but still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody, pretty much anybody that goes on an excursion um, has, you know, come back and just been completely on a next level. So, kind of continuing on, we're getting a, uh, a match after that with between Drone, Saburano Jr., and Volador Jr., which are all baby faces, taking on Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Tetsuya Naito, which they're putting Naito with... You know the the workhorses of Lij to take on this high flying um, this high flying team, and you know Naito can really work that that CMLL style. So I expect that to be a really really good match. And then the final two matches: Rush versus Satoshi Kojima. So I'm expecting there to be some sort of storyline between Lij and Kojima because each night Kojima is wrestling someone from Lij. So I expect to be looking out for some sort of like. Angle. Angle. Last year, Roosh destroyed Atlantis with the chair. I mean, it was really ugly. So, I mean, expect something like that. And then um, 
for the final match of the night, the CMLL Brother Tag Team Tournament Finals. So whoever wins the matches earlier that we mentioned between like the Guerreros and Angel de Oro and Niebla Rojas will take on the winner of Quatrero and Sanson versus Dragon Lee and Mystico. I'm expecting that's a really I'm expecting Dragon Lee and Mystico to be in the finals. So and you know what? I don't know if who the who the heel team is over there. I know I bet I'm gonna just say Grand Guerrero and Ultimo Guerrero because they're like bigger stars. Right. And so I'm gonna say we'll get a final of the Guerreros versus Dragon Lee and Mystico, which would actually be a blow away match if it happened. Yeah, I'm not educated enough on the CMLL guys, all of them and the rivalries and stuff, so I'm gonna defer to you. <laughs> on your prediction for that uh, tournament final. But I think that this will be a really fun card. Last year was really fun. They had a couple, like, blow-away matches. And, you know, this should be really, really good. All right. And then after Fantastica Mania, we have the New Beginning shows. Uh, those are taking place. We have one on January 27th, one on January 28th. Yeah, that's different. And then um, a third one on February uh, 6th, I believe. And this is the same weekend as... Or February 10th, sorry. This brother. is the same weekend as, um, as Royal Rumble, right? Yes. Whew. <laughs> so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of wrestling happening this weekend. <laughs> oh, my God. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, you want to run us down those sh- the, that, that card? Yeah, give me one second. Let me get that pulled up. I got up. you right here, man. All right, thanks. Got <laughs> young boy. Got got me going here. So night one, new beginning in Sapporo. We have Kitamura's continuing his uh, special challenge series. He's going against Big Mike, Michael Elgin. Hoss match. Yep. Hoss got, division. Got a multi-man match here. We got Liger, Kushida, Tenzan, Kojima, Tiger Mask 4 against Suzuki Gun of Desperado, Tai Chi, Taka, Izuka, and Kanamaru. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we have the honorary Tongan Chase Owens and the Tokyo Pimp. Uh, Takahashi going against Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano. Yeah, I think I'm going to mark for that match. Yeah. Like, I love Chase Owens. Hopefully, uh, Tokyo Latina is at ringside for that match. Um, we got. Nah, she's on the Brock Lesnar schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got um, the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale, Tama Tonga, and Tangaroa defending the Never Six Man titles against Hanare. Gucci and Togi Makabe. They better not lose those titles to those guys. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a weird six-man team right there. It's fine. I, I just don't like Hanari. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the Bullet Club team of Cody, don't call him Rhodes, Hangman Page, and the villain Marty Skrull huh. against David Finley, Juice Robinson, and Kota Ibushi. That will be good. So imagine there will be some more Kota and Cody uh, Storyline there. Cody working uh, working the smaller shows this year, huh? Yeah, they're bringing him in more. Then we got Will Osprey and Yoshihashi representing Chaos, taking on the Lij team of Takahashi and Naito. Then we have another Chaos team of Ghetto, Goto, and Okada taking on another Lij team of Bushi, Evil, and Sonata. Then we got a nice little six man tag here with Jay White. Teaming up with Sho and Yo to take on the elite, the the elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So that's like a preview match since Jay White will be um, challenging for the 
uh, U.S. title against Kenny Omega, and since Rapongi 3K will be challenging Nick and Matt Jackson, so that's like a, a really good like uh, preview match. Plus, we didn't mention the match before that Sonata and Okada, and then Goto and Evil. Plus, yeah. So I mean, those are another two like preview previews matches. for title matches. Yeah. yeah. And then the plus, plus Takahashi and Will Ospreay. So I mean, they're teasing stuff. Oh, and yep. And Yoshihashi's wrestling Naito, so these these three tag matches are just kind of full of preview matches for what's coming up on the rest of the card. Right, and then uh, the main event of the evening, you have Hiroshi Tanahashi defending the IWGP Intercontinental Title against Minoru Suzuki, who is furious. He had to shave his head, and now he's on the war path. Oh god! And he wants to destroy Tanahashi. So that's. Uh Y'all, if, if if you're believers out there, pray for Tanahashi. <laughs> pray for this man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah. So, New Beginning and Sapporo. So, this is something interesting. They didn't break up uh, New Beginning into... They've broken it up into two nights, but broken them up, you know, across, you know, a couple weeks. This time, they're doing... Uh, New Beginning in Sapporo in two nights. So it's like they're still doing, they're breaking it up over two weeks, but the first, you know, Sapporo shows is two shows, which is kind of different. So we got Juice Robinson and Kitamura. So Kitamura, that'll be his third match of his uh, special challenge sp- series. Yeah, special series. We got Liger, Taguchi, and Umino, Red Shoes Jr., and Tiger Mask 4 taking on uh, Suzuki Goon, which is Desperado, Taichi, Michinoku, and Kanemaru. Uh, Leo Tonga will be teaming up with Ta- uh, Yujiro Takahashi to take on Ishii and Toro Yanu. So that should be interesting. <laughs> uh, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Tama Tonga, and Tengaroa in eight-man action against Hanare. Uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, and Togi Makabe. So that's, that should be good. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Michael Elgin, super team, taking on Suzuki and Azuka. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, these Azuka matches. Cody Rhodes and Hungman Page. Marty Skrull will be taking on Dave Finley, Kota Ibushi, and Kushida. So they're really building up this Ibushi and Cody Rhodes uh, storyline. We're getting uh, Gato, Hiro- Hiroki Goto, and Kaz- Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay. Taking on Yoshihashi. Oh, and Yo- I'm sorry, and Yoshihashi. So it's a 10 man tag. Taking on Bushi, Evil, Hiromu Takahashi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. So the war between Chaos and Lij continues. Yeah. So I mean, they're pulling out the entire all five of all five members of Lij. That should be really good. Rapongi 3K uh, will be taking on the Young Bucks for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, a return match of their match at Wrestle Kingdom. So, I mean, they're doing it at this show, which is kind of surprising, but they're challenging for the titles again. And then Switchblade Jay White versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. So, I'm glad that it says Switchblade here. I didn't say Sling Blade this time. <laughs> And then the last big show of the tour is February 10th. We have Kitamura with another challenge match against Yuji Nagata. Ooh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Nagata's going to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) I love Nagata. And then uh, Rapungi 3K, Sho and Yo defending the titles. Or no, not defending the titles. Well, we don't know. Yeah, just a matchup against Desperado and Kanemaru. Then Switchblade, Jay White. Uh, teaming up with Ishii and Yano to take on David Finley, Juice Robinson, and Michael Elgin. 
Then you have Suzuki, Taichi, Taka, and Izuka taking on Tanahashi, Kushida, Taguchi, and Togi Makabe. We have Bushi versus Ghetto. Uh, Naito. We're just getting we're just getting Bushi versus Gato. That's a that's <laughs> yeah. a weird match. <laughs> yeah, just the Lij Chaos War, man. Then uh, Naito taking on Yoshihashi. Then we have Takahashi getting finally a one on one junior title match against Will Osprey. We have Evil defending the uh, excuse me Evil challenging for the Never Openweight Title against Hiroki Goto. And then Okada defending the world the world title against Sonata. So of all the cards, I think this final night tends to be the one because it's got the most like I don't know you know I I think that they have great tag team action in New Japan, but sometimes the guys mailed in during these tag matches they tend to just be like fun action filled matches, but they don't always hold the same gravity that like the singles matches is matches do. So I mean this thir- this. New beginning in Osaka on February 10th. I mean, it's got Okada Sonata, Goto Evil, and Takahashi Osprey plus Naito Yoshihashi. That's the that's the big one out of out of all these. Cause it's got all the title matches. I mean, you know, Kenny Omega and Jay White should be great, but you know, it's top to bottom. It's not as strong of a card as this one is. Right. Um, you know, last year uh, we had incredible matches at New Beginning. Um, Especially that five star match between Naito and Michael Elgin. So, plus, you know, that match was actually even better than Okada and Suzuki. So, I mean, if this year's anything like last year, I mean, I expect these shows to be very, very good. I'm surprised at how many matches they have on each card. It's like yeah, a lot yeah, of wrestling. Yeah, there's, yeah, these cards are pretty stacked for new, new beginning shows. So we'll be covering those as we get closer to the date. Um, we have other various news coming out, Jeremy. Yeah. So you know, recently there's, there seems to be a lot of New Japan stars versus WWE stars. One of the biggest ones coming up, you have um, the UK WWE UK Champion Pete Dunne taking on the IWGP Junior Champion Will Ospreay. This is happening on uh, January 17th. And the only other time a champion from WWE faced a champion from New Japan in a singles match was on May 3rd, 1993 at the Fukuoka Dome when Hulk Hogan was a WWF champion and he beat the Great Muda, (laughs) who was the IWGP champion. It's like the greatest match of Hogan's career. (laughs) For those of you can, uh, I don't know if you can find it on the on the network or not on uh, New, uh, New Japan, Japan World. World you probably can but if you can't you can find it out there it's not too hard to track right. down it's a great great match it's like four and a quarter like to four and a half which is about as high of a match rating you're ever going to get with Hogan but um, if you ever if you guys want to see Hogan like Matt wrestle <laughs> and it's pretty great like surprisingly like that match is awesome this that that's a match where you have two guys who knew who could wrestle great but knew how to just get by night after night by not having to wrestle just doing like similar spots right but for the big matches I mean we always talk about the Randy Orton uh, syndrome syndrome I mean no two guys have the Randy Orton syndrome more than Muda and Hogan and they got there they tear it up it's an awesome match plus uh, if you guys want to hear something hilarious, 
you've got to go online and you've got to find the clip of Hulk Hogan doing the press conference after the match where he, because uh, it was a non-title match and he beat Muda. So he's at the press conference and he's holding the WWF title and he was like, this this belt is a trinket. <laughs> this belt is just a toy. It doesn't have the same prestige as that. I want to be the IWGP champion. And I was like, oh my God. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, I, Hulk Hogan said, like they let him get away with this, but yeah. like, I don't think they... Can you imagine uh, <laughs> Brock Lesnar at a press conference or uh, AJ Styles? I want to be the IWGP champion. <laughs> the WWE championship, the Universal Championship is a toy. Yeah, he said, this is just a toy. This belt means nothing. I was like, yo, he just buried the, the WWF championship. Like, I don't think they knew the internet was going to be a thing. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, check that out. It's classic. Like, if you want to get a laugh, it's awesome. All right. And then um, Strong Style Evolve is coming up on March 25th in Long Beach. Tickets go on sale January 29th. They are priced from $200 down to $50 at the 5,300 Walter Pyramid on the campus of Long Beach State. So be on the lookout for the announcement of the talent list and the matches. And um, there's speculation that we can get Jericho and Naito at that show. Um, yeah, so I mean that – yeah, so we didn't really talk about that. But like I was expecting for Jericho and Naito to be on the New Beginning shows because they – did the angle like at uh, New Year's Dash. Dash. They usually pay off the angles from that um, show, you know, in the following shows. And they're not going to pay it off there. So it is kind of interesting. Wrestling Observer did uh, report that they expect for that match to take place at Long Beach, which would be an awesome draw. Like that match would be awesome. So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do it there or not. That seems like the most likely. I mean, is that what you think too? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So, yes, I mean, that's great. Um, Coming up next, so we also have, um, if you guys haven't heard, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to do their first official tour of Australia. And is it just Australia or is it Australia and New Zealand? I think it's just Australia. It's just Australia. It's a four-city tour of Australia. Yeah, they're calling it the New Japan Fallout Down Under Tour. They're going to be doing um, from February 16th to February 19th. They're doing shows in Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, and Perth. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale on Friday, January the 12th. Is that? So that's um, this show would have already aired by time. Um, yeah, so this is the first time ever New Japan has done a tour in, um, you know, in Australia, and they do have that partnership that we mentioned earlier. So I'm assuming they're going to feature a lot of talent right. from Australia, but they also they they've already announced that Okada is going to be there, Tanahashi, Suzuki, Cody, the Young Bucks, Ishii, Kushida, Evil, Fale, Osprey, Tangaloa, Sonata, Juice, Tamatonga, Lance Archer. So I mean, they've got a lot of guys already confirmed and announced for this show. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean that this is kind of a big deal. Yeah, and. Uh you know, the company says they want to become a part of the wrestling scene in Australia. And they said, we want to make history and we want you to be part of history. We don't want to just come to Australia, say hi and leave. We want to become part of the fabric and culture of Australia. Yes, I mean, this is, if you guys are listening, we do have international listeners. 
Um, you know, what up to all you down in New Zealand and Australia? Uh, this is your chance, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is your chance to see New Japan. I wish New Japan would come and do a four-city tour in America. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, I mean, I'm kind of jealous of you guys right now. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, they did announce the different... Um, you know arenas that they're going to be in so i'm sure like with the tickets going on sale you can kind of see if it'd be worth your time but i'm betting yeah i'm betting they will be i'm betting they're not going to be like ten thousand seat arenas so i mean this is no, a chance to yeah see. they're like a five thousand seat yeah so it's your chance to see new japan like up, up close, close and personal. personal yep it's like awesome and then uh next thing up we have the access tv schedule so this past Friday, January 12th, they had the Young Bucks first uh, show and yo and the Fatal 4-Way uh, Skrull, Osprey, Kushida, and Takahashi. Oh, that's right. Coming up this Friday on January 19th, they'll be showing um, the tag title match KES versus Evil and Sonata, Suzuki versus Goto, and they'll be showing highlights of the Never Trios Gauntlet. The 126, February 2nd, and February 9th shows will be Kota, Cody versus Kota Ibushi, Tanahashi versus Jay White, and then they'll do um, full one-hour shows with both Jericho versus Omega and Okada versus Naito. Yeah, so I mean, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to any of those uh, Access tapings yet, so I don't know if... Uh you know, if the recordings with uh, Jim Ross and J- uh, Josh Barnett are good or bad or whatever. So I, I'm looking forward to actually catching all those shows. Right. Yeah. I have them all the ones they've done so far on my DVR. Just haven't gotten a chance to. You know, I don't want to be a negative uh, Nelly, but I haven't heard good things about it. Yeah. Same here. I mean, even from their commentary from the G1 special in Long Beach. And just, you know, whenever I do watch Access, JR and Josh Barnett aren't always the best for me. I think Kevin Kelly and uh, Don Callis are a way better team and just come off more excited about the product than JR and Josh do. And I just don't feel like JR and Josh are as familiar as they should be with the New Japan product. Yeah, so I mean... Um, I loved Josh Barnett and Marvinalo. I thought that the way they called the matches was just like spectacular. Um, with Jim Ross, I love Jim Ross. Um, and I thought like at a certain point he seemed really motivated and he was catching on. But as time's gone on, he's kind of stagnated a little bit. I hate to be like, I mean, it's got to be hard to be like calling maybe a product that you're not as, um, I don't know. Like you're not surrounded by it all the time. So that's got to be somewhat difficult. I mean, it'd kind of be like trying to do this podcast, but not actually watching New Japan. <laughs> New Japan all the time. So then that would be difficult. So, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I did see that tweet. I don't know if you guys saw that tweet where the Young Bucks were making mention of how this Friday their uh, match is going to be aired. And they're like, yeah, I can't wait for that UFC fighter to bury us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Josh Barnett kind of uh, responded. He's like, uh, yeah, you guys haven't even listened to the show yet. Nobody gets buried. And then because I guess there was heat because they felt like he was burying their style of wrestling back at Long Beach show. But he did say, hey, well, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but the way he tried to say it was, uh, you guys are heels and we're calling the match 
as if you're a heel. So obviously we're not going to be in favor of you, you idiots. Like it's pro wrestling. Um, you know, so I think that kind of messes with the logic of like, you know, should, should, should these guys be putting over all the cool stuff that they're doing as heels or should they be, you know, talking, talking down on them because they're heels. I mean, I don't know. Right. It kind of depends on your philosophy on wrestling, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see those shows and just kind of form my own opinions. You guys, uh, if you see those shows, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us what you thought. Do you prefer Kevin Kelly and um, Cyrus or do you prefer JR and Barnett? Yeah, let us know. Tweet us at KI Strong Style. Then um, Taka Michinoku and Tai Chi are promoting a show called Taka Tai Chi Mania. Yeah, so basically the way they're building this show up, it's Taka and Tai Chi versus LIJ. And they're actually selling... This is a really cool idea that they're doing that I've never really seen before. They're selling separate tickets for LIJ fans and then separate tickets for Taka and Tai Chi fans. And they're going to create different sections in Cork and Hall, sort of like a soccer match. (laughs) So it's kind of like they're creating like a really cool atmosphere where like different sides can chant like for... Taka and Tai Chi versus, uh, you know, cheering for the LIJ side, which is kind of kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, so it's headline with uh, Naito taking on Tai Chi. Really? Yeah. And then a guy named Jun Kasai, I believe, he's taking on. Uh, yeah, Jun Kasai. Yeah, he's taking on uh, Izuka. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Taka Michi who's taking on Kaiji Tomato. Or oh excuse me, it's uh Taka and Kaiji Tomato against Takahashi and Bushi. Okay, and it's Tai Chi's fifteenth anniversary show, so I guess yeah, he debuted on December second, two thousand two. The funny thing about Tai Chi, Tai Chi, we hate Tai Chi, but Tai Chi is a heel that will ruin matches as a heel. Like that's what he does. Like, right, he does it on purpose. He does it on purpose. When he wants to have a great match, sometimes he has great matches. And I have this weird feeling that like the match with Naito will actually be really good. Um, unless he just decides to stink out the joint because he's just a freaking prick. <laughs> but um I don't know, it's his anniversary, so I bet you he has like a great moment sort of sort of deal. They do shows like this. Um they like two years ago they did they did a show called This is Suzuki Goon and Suzuki Goon was still in uh, Noah at the time, but they let basically New Japan had them come in and do a show. Last year they did one for Togi Makabe for his anniversary. They do one of these early in the year every year where they they kind of award certain wrestlers basically like their own show at Cork and Hall. It's sort of like just an independent show. It's not really like a big deal, but it's kind of nice. I think they let the wrestlers who are running the show sort of book everything. So, you know, it's not something that you'd have to catch necessarily, but I, it's going to be a fun night of wrestling. And you'll actually get exposed to some guys that are in the independent scene with like some of the other, like, uh, you know, other promotions that are out there, which is kind of cool. Yeah, this should be very interesting. I'm curious to see the results of that Naito and Tai Chi match. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, too, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention it, was how bummed I am that we're not going to get an, uh, we're not getting Negro Casas for the uh, Fantastic Mania shows because that's one of my favorite guys. The dude's like 56, 57, and he's still probably to this day one of the best workers in ring in the entire world. Yeah. But yeah, he uh, cracked some ribs at the last Arena Mexico show and they pulled him off the tour. So, uh, Negro Casas, if you're out there, (laughs) get better. 
And please come back and entertain us when you're 58. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, you had some news on the Young Bucks YouTube channel. Yeah, so um, they, I guess they're over, they, they were awarded like something called the Silver Medallion from uh, YouTube because they did over 100,000 subscribers. So, I mean, they're just killing it. <laughs> they're killing it with their being the elite, uh, you know, show. Did you see the last couple shows? Um, I started catching up on the Wrestle Kingdom episode, but I didn't finish it. I need to finish that one, and I know there was one after it. I heard there were storylines in that show that actually alluded to the tension growing between Kenny and Cody as well, which was something we didn't mention. So probably want to catch up to that. If you guys are listening out there and you're interested in that storyline, you know, these are guys who are working the gimmick, basically. Like, they're... They're working their gimmick on social media. They're working their gimmick on their own YouTube channel. So, I mean, they are putting... He want to talk about DIY. These guys are really DIY. Right, the real DIY. Then, um, I believe Ring of Honor announced uh, the next War of the Worlds tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if you... Uh if you guys aren't familiar with what that is, it's kind of how we mentioned that uh, they do the War of the World, or basically like how Fantastic Mania is a co-branded show. War of the Worlds is a show that they do every year um, between Ring of Honor and New Japan, and they just announced the ticket information. Basically, that they're going to be doing selling the tickets. Uh, well, I know that they're going to be doing a four-show uh, a four-show tour in May. Starting in Lowell, Massachusetts on May 9th, and then they're going to go to Toronto, Ontario uh, on May 11th. They're going to Royal Oaks, Michigan on May 12th, and then they're finishing up the tour on May 13th in Chicago. So the tickets are going to go on sale January 17th at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for ringside members, and on Friday, January 19th at 10 a.m. Eastern for the general public, and tickets are going to go fast, so... You know, if you guys are in those areas, you want to see these uh, shows, it's one of the best opportunities to see all the uh, different action of New Japan guys coming in and putting on an awesome pay-per-view quality, you know, show. Um, and then, yeah, so War of the Worlds, is there. it's awesome every year, basically. And there's usually, like, major storylines still going into that and title changes. So, yeah, it's usually really good. Yeah, and you got stuff like, you know, like Kushido winning the Ring of Honor TV title. You know, you, in the years past, you had, like, Ishii winning the TV title. You saw in the past matches like Nakamura versus Kevin Owens. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless for what you could see from that tour. That's the cool thing with New Japan. Like, they don't run weekly shows or anything like that, but, like, with the amount of partnerships that they're forming with CMLL and Ring of Honor, Rep Pro, like, they're even during the, like, off-seasons and stuff, they're still doing tours. So it, it takes a lot of work actually to follow this product, believe it or not, because of how many tours they, they do. And you would think, like, oh, well, it's kind of nice when you're watching WWE because it's week to week, so it's just, like, one, to, you know, you don't have to watch every show, but if you just watch the major show, like, Raw every week, it's, like, once a week commitment but with Ring of Honor or with New Japan it might be like three weeks you don't see anything and then all of a sudden it's like five shows in a row right <laughs> and you're like dang I gotta watch all <laughs> I gotta watch them all <laughs> so it happens pretty fast especially since we're trying to bring the coverage to you guys so I mean that's um, you know that's something to look out for did we have anything else so that's pretty much it right yeah that's gonna wrap it up for this week so once again thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style Really appreciate all you guys downloading, and our, especially our last show has been our most downloaded show. So thank you for ever. listening, ever. Yeah, 
in all in, in all seven weeks that we've existed. So if you're really digging this show, leave a rating and review. Also get you into the t-shirt contest. But you have to send us. Yeah, send us a screenshot. Email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com, and we'll get you entered in that t-shirt contest that we mentioned at the top of the show. You can follow the show on Twitter at KI Strongstyle. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Check out socialsuplex.com for all the, our columns and news, as well as the podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have, you know, One Nation Radio, One Nation Live, the SMC Wrestling Podcast, and the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Oh, shout out to Ricky and Clive if you guys are listening to this show caught your show the last two weeks and you guys did an awesome review of uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Those guys broke their Wrestle, their New Japan cherries <laughs> as they as they put it so crassly and uh, they've really been um, putting in good words for us which I haven't said to them publicly but I do appreciate that. Yeah, thank you guys for putting us over and yeah, check out the Rookie and Clive show. They're our show from Scotland and it's definitely interesting to hear their perspective on things yeah, really cool show. Yeah, and you can always, I uh, know, join all of us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. We have, uh, you know, threads for Raw, SmackDown, all the WWE shows. We're starting to do more threads for the New Japan show. It's just a great place to um, communicate with other wrestling fans. There was, oh, you know what? Before we go, one last thing. I just... I remembered it. I thought I'd make mention of it. You guys should check out the New Japan match of free match of the week. Um, if you've never seen CMLL uh, Fantastic Mania, they put out a match from two years ago. It was a match between Kamatachi, you probably now know him as Hiromu Takahashi, taking on Dragon Lee for one of the world ch- titles over in CMLL. I can't remember which one. That match was got a lot of notoriety. Yeah. Really, really, really great match. One of the best matches in Fantastic Mania history. And uh, it's, it, it's a shining example of why that feud put both of those guys on the map. And it's one of the best matches from the entire rivalry. So it's free. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. And I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's going to wrap it up. So until next time, goodbye. Oh, my God. (laughs) Goodbye and good night. Bang.